Welcome to another episode of Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon, and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit. This group is about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front ever and no smell of stale coffee. Been gay or disappointment. You know what I'm talking about. Those crusty old places. Everybody kind of sad. Not that place. RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done and I pick their brain for your entertainment and hopefully education. And if you enjoy this podcast, come on guys, help me out. It's a free podcast. Give it a like, share it, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever uh, app you're using. It really does help. If you have any questions or suggestions, maybe I'm not asking a question you'd like to hear, or maybe there is a guest you'd like me to have on the podcast, let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegadedetroitinvestors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. And if I ever get around editing these videos for YouTube, hello, YouTube. You can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. Legal disclaimer, you know what's coming. That's the way of the world, folks. In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions that you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals, be a fucking adult, don't sue me. Show quote of the week. Time for the Renegade Detroit Investors show quote. Every week I try and pick a quote that sets a tone for the podcast and hopefully for your week. And I hope Ian likes this. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you have imagined. Henry David Thoreau. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you imagine. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to my guest, Mr. Ian Watts. Ian got his start in Detroit real estate and was a millionaire by 26. Then he lost it all in the real estate crash. Me too. That sucked. He worked for several years consulting for small businesses when he decided to get back into real estate, and he built a pretty good size buy, fix, rent, and flip real estate business in Detroit, when unfortunately he suffered another setback with a bad property manager, but he made it right with all his clients and decided to build his dream business coaching for small business owners, and that's called Small Business Dream Coach. He wanted to help aspiring and early stage entrepreneurs achieve their small business dreams with a weekly coaching system, access to his team and their tools, ongoing training and support, and direct access to needed startup capital for members who have worked through the 36-week coaching system successfully. His company's slogan, if you guarantee effort, we guarantee your success. Ian is an ordained minister and is a member of the board of elders at his home church, Evangel, hopefully I said that right, Evangel <laughs> Ministries. Did I get that right? You did it pretty good. Sorry. Okay, good. I should, I should have cleared that with you first. It's all right, we'll take Evangel it. Evangel Ministries in Detroit. He is married and has three wonderful kids. You should definitely check him out. Ian Watts. I Watts, W-A-T-T-S, at sbdreamcoach.com. The website is sb, as in Sierra Brava, dreamcoach.com. And, of course, all this will be in the show notes. Thank you, Ian. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. A little closer to Mike. Yeah. I don't want to get closer to Mike, Jeremy. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It sounds like you rehearsed that quite a bit. I do. I do. <laughs> you well, pretty, you know, practice too, right? Pretty good at it. I have people say, why don't you pre-record it? Then you don't have to do that. And my goal is to be a good radio speaker on the fly. So 
I'll take it. I do script everything out and I do read it or read the questions, but I don't record anything in advance. So, I like it. Thank you. Appreciate the show. I'm looking forward to this one. Thanks for coming out. So the beginning in Watts born and raised in Detroit. East side of Detroit. East side. Not of Detroit. just Detroit. The east side of Detroit. Yeah, and obviously it gives don't, a different picture. Oh yeah. I hey I when I first moved to Detroit in two thousand seven, I moved to the east side of Detroit <laughs> and I made it ten months. <laughs> yeah. So you could appreciate the value of that statement. Of yeah. That, of that statement. And it's not like the west side is some paradise either. It just tells you how rough and tumble the east side yes. at least in two thousand seven, two thousand eight was. And not just 2007, not just 2008. I'm trying to be nice, but you are correct, I think. <laughs> so I know you're kind of like a street guy like me. Obviously, don't share anything you're not comfortable with. But uh, suffice to say, you didn't get the best start in life, right? And I, sure. I know there are people. Sure. I always come back to this, and I'm not trying to exploit or anything like that. I think people need to hear that you can overcome these things and sure. that you can get out because nobody can help who they're born to and who their parents are and the geography in which that happened right sure yeah you you definitely don't choose who you're born to and quite honestly i'm actually proud to say not only that i was born in detroit but on the east side of detroit and that i, that I was on welfare when i was younger so my mom is uh, actually now a teacher in detroit public schools she's actually about to retire she's been in detroit public schools on the east side all of her life but when i was younger she was actually in school with my older brother and i so uh, it, it was not the uh, best start, but we did have a loving home. My father was actually locked up. He was in prison when I was younger. Uh, he got out and started several uh, three-quarter houses, several methadone clinics. So uh, difficult start, but uh, I, I think so much of life uh, and, and success is not necessarily how you start, but it's how you finish. Well, that is for sure, right? Because nobody can help how they start. Can't. And at a certain point, you are responsible for how you finish. Yes, you are. Yeah. So yes, you are. How? What, what was it like growing up? Your dad, jail, mom, working, going to school, welfare, East Detroit, not exactly the um, <clears throat> safest or best environment necessarily. Sure. No matter how sure. good your parents are, right? Yeah, yeah. So believe it or not, it actually, I had a great upbringing because the, the, the most amazing thing is this. Even though I grew up on welfare, uh, what I can say is that I never went hungry. Uh, I did have family, additional family uh, that loved us. So it was exciting. I didn't understand what poverty was or really growing up poor necessarily meant until I got a little bit older in life. And I was able to understand and see and really perceive what my mom was going through. And that's when it got tough, when I could actually see the disappointments when I could that she was trying to hide. Right. When I could see the difference between uh, the haves and the have nots. And the older I got, the, the wider that gap got, the more I was able to understand what was really going on. Yeah, it's kind of like slowly waking up, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it like, is. Wait a second. The scales weren't all off at once. It was like an onion peeling back the layers. It took me, well, I think it was 23 or 24, but I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of this thing. Wait, you said, wait a minute. It's like a quarter century. Hey, I got there, but it was pretty slow. Yeah. That's how it felt. It was yeah. like, like something just slow. Peel back a layer, peel back a layer. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a point in which you knew you were going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to go do it your own way? Or did you suspect or, or what you was going what? through your mind? As Believe a it or not, I did. As a matter of fact, it the, the passion really started in middle school. I've uh, always done pretty well in school, but I always hated it. I love to learn, but I hated the, the formal schooling system. I wanted to be homeschooled before I even knew really what homeschooling was. So in middle school, 
I began to see the difference between what I perceived as uh, successful entrepreneurs and where I was and what was going on. So the longer I stayed in school, the more drudgery it felt like because I just couldn't find the relevance. I couldn't understand how being in school right now and what they're teaching me, the, the, the lessons, they, they weren't relevant to my circumstances. So I couldn't understand how what I was learning was going to be able to build the, build the bridge or build a, uh, a, some type of vehicle to get me to where ultimately I wanted to be, which was out of this scenario. So it started at a pretty early age, and I always thought, why not me? Yeah, why not you, right? Why, why not me? If you can do it, I, I feel like I can do it. Why not me? Yeah, why not you? That, that is a... That is a good point. Why not you? There's really no reason why not, right? No reason. Uh, no matter what you're starting in life, yep. why why not you? And you, you brought up an interesting point. I think, um, and hopefully this doesn't sound too conceited. First of all, I think you're a pretty smart guy. Right? <laughs> I appreciate that. And I know I'm a relatively smart guy. Yes, you are, Jeremy Burgess. And school for smart people, at least public school in America, uh, maybe I shouldn't say America, and parts of America, I lived all over. Everywhere yeah. I went, it was quite frankly, boring. Sure, it was. And for, I, I remember being a teenage male, it sucked, right? You <laughs> want to be outside, you want to be playing, sure. working. Do, it was very difficult for me, too, to also connect the dots to what am I doing now yeah. that is going to equal success? Or, I couldn't get it. Yeah, it didn't make any sense either. I couldn't get it. I just could not understand it. I could not build that bridge, and consequently, I became less and less interested. Me too. I know. What were your grades like your senior year versus your freshman year? I'm just curious. Actually, okay, so I went through a, a bit of a transformation. Uh, I went to Cass Tech in Detroit, one of the better high schools uh, in the city of Detroit. And actually in 10th grade, my uncle was, this is more east side of Detroit type foolishness, but uh, my uncle was brutally murdered. Oh, and there were a number of other challenges, family challenges that I had. So I was actually on academic probation. I was on my way out of CAS. Um, and then at some point I said, okay, if I want to get to where I want to be, college might be the ticket. It might be, right? So in my mind, I thought that, okay, I still can't see how this is valuable. Maybe college will teach me how to be a successful entrepreneur. Mm. So that was what my mindset was. So actually, uh, I believe, I can't remember now, but there were several semesters leading up going into my uh, senior year in 11th grade where I began to transfer uh, uh where I began to uh, turn things around. So I had several 4.0s. So I I started uh, a little bit differently than what I finished because I could act, I began then to sort of piece together my own plan or what I thought was a good plan uh, so that I can be a successful business owner. Didn't quite work out like that. I can tell you about that, but so I had good grades to answer your question. That's long and short of it. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're maybe you didn't want to, whether you wanted to do it or not, you wanted the door to be available to be open later. I did. And if you didn't do well in high school, that was going to limit your options, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. smart. So That's a good thing about being smart. Yeah. So I, I went to, uh, I played ball quite a bit, but I lost my passion for that. Uh, I played basketball in high school and, <clears throat> excuse me, and actually I had a scholarship to play for uh, West Council Lacrosse. But I ended up not going because my mother and father were going through a pretty nasty divorce among a host of other challenges we were having. So I resolved to stay here. Now, my itch for basketball hadn't completely left. So rather than going to play under scholarship at Wisconsin, I want to stay close to home. So I went to Michigan Dearborn, uh, thinking that I was going to learn how to be a successful entrepreneur. Well, I got there and I played for a little bit. I got hurt pretty quickly. Uh, And then I discovered, wait a minute, they're not teaching me how to run a business. They're teaching me how to work for someone else's business. Okay, this is not what I thought. 
the plan didn't work out so well. So I left. So that's when I actually started my first, my first business. How old were you then? I was 19 when I purchased my first investment property. Oh, wow. And let me take a step back. You got a really early start. Yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. But let me say this though. Uh, I shouldn't say that that was my first business. I should say that, that was my first incorporated business. Yes. So I've been, for lack of better terms, a hustler from way back. And actually, I did pretty well. Uh, I used to go to barber college with my uncle, who was like my father figure. I used to adore my uncle. He was self-employed. And he gave me my first glimpse into what success looked like because uh, he was a barber. Everyone loved him. Oh, it was He had a barbershop in the basement of my grandmother's house. And it, eventually, he had several shops. And uh, my uncle was like just... Absolutely fantastic. Love that guy. So he taught me how to cut hair. So I believe there were weeks in the summertime that I could make five or six hundred dollars in a weekend cutting hair. Just cutting hair? Just cutting hair. But that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. The problem was you're standing on your feet. And if I don't work, I don't make any money. So my mind began to drift not too far, but it began to drift. Okay, how else can I make money? doing this. Well, your uncle was doing it, right? Like he was he, doing it. Yeah. He was, yeah. you, were you working for him? No, I was okay. not. So you're just, okay. I, you was not. Your I did thing. fill in for him though. There was one time where I made really good money where he, I don't know what he was doing, but he cut his hand and he couldn't cut. Um, but so many of his, I, I was always hanging out. So, so many of his clients, his clientele knew me and they knew that I could cut as well. So they trusted you. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he lent me his credibility um, and because I'd already had relationships with these people, I believe there were some weeks, I, I believe that for about maybe two or three weeks where I know I made a thousand, thousand, a little over a thousand dollars a week, man, just taking, uh, that's taking pretty good, these, especially yeah. at that age, right? Yeah, that's what you'd make on. all month working yeah. at McDonald's yeah. you did it in a week. Cutting yeah, so that, that gave me my, my uh, taste. There's some things that I used to do in middle school, but I won't share that. On <laughs> I did make money, but I don't think we're going to mention those. So. Hey, money's money. And uh, <laughs> it should all be legal to sell, but I understand. I understand. Uh, no, no, you disagree. <laughs> I, I think it should all be legal to sell. And for those listening in Detroit, a barbershop is not just a barber. It shop. is not. It's a community. It's a hangout spot. It's, it's it's a cultural hub. It is. It's a it's a man. It it you know women go to the salon or what, and men go to the barbershop. I don't know what the, they need a barbershop bar coffee. Like, put it all together <laughs> they, with the couches. They should. Yeah. As a matter of fact, listen. I think if anyone were to ever franchise that model to create an urban model, and I believe one of the former rappers is doing that right now. Seems like that'd be smart, right? It would. It would really transform an industry. Now I don't. That's not something that I'm passionate about, but it, I could create a business model pretty quickly out of that. And, and hopefully that doesn't sound arrogant, but I believe that I could really put together a significant business model for urban barbershops. Yeah. And in Detroit, they're without barbershops. There's really not many places to hang out where it's safe and hang out with your friends and have a good time yeah. and catch up on the gossip yeah. and yeah, and get your hair cut. And to get some of the... Uh, a uh, best bad advice you ever want to get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's life though, right? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do that. You Is that the it, whole point? You get it right yeah. there at the, <laughs> at the barbershop where everyone's qualified. Yeah. Everybody's qualified to tell you how to live your life. Everyone's right? qualified. Yeah, yeah. I catch myself doing that. You know what you ought to do? <laughs> Shut up, Jeremy. That's what you ought to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm old enough now to finally say that. So 19 and you're, by the way, I think we can say hustle. I think that word's been reclaimed for entrepreneurs. I'll take it. Yes. I like so I think it. we're okay on that. And if not, too bad. All right. <laughs> I love the word hustle. What else you spoke? You were making it happen, right? I was. No. No. I was not. Let me tell you about my first deal. It was all bad. 
So, Sounds like mine. <laughs> it was it was all bad. I paid too much money for the house. I financed the house. Uh, the good news is I, I was able to structure it where I really didn't have to put any money down uh, of my own. Uh, the bad news is I did just about everything wrong that you can do. Uh, so, you know, I did my first unlawful. Well, actually, it was my first and only. I did my first unlawful eviction. Uh, so I had a Section 8 tenant that didn't want to pay. And then it eventually dawned on me. I'm like, if I have paid too much money for this house and my tenant leaves, then I'm responsible for this note. So I said, this is, and I can't sell it because I, I paid too much money for it. So uh, eventually I got that right during my second deal. Oops. Well, yeah. Do you remember what year your first deal was? Oh, I can, I cannot. This is before the crash. So yeah, this was before the crash. And this is actually when you could finance everything. Uh, This is way before the crash. I'm 35 now. I'll be, wait, how old am I? I don't know. How old are you? I was born in 81. So you guys do the math. I mess it up. But any of it, my first deal was it. Okay. Yeah. So my first deal was when I was 19, about to turn 20. I still remember that address. 9421 Corville. So 2002, 2003-ish. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. And that's really when they really started to open the faucet on the money, too. Yeah. The floodgates. Give it to everybody. Yeah. No problems there. The floodgates were opening. Okay, so your first deal did not go smoothly. Do you remember um, where it was in Detroit? Yeah, ninety four twenty one Corbill. It's off uh, okay. Houston Whittier, East so, Side. Not, yeah, yeah, East Side. It was, a, and it was a nice area there. It was directly across the street from what used to be Dominican. Was it Dominican All Girls High School? Uh, the name escapes me, but it was directly across the street from a. It used to be a pretty, a, a pretty well to do high school. Yeah, well, houses on the East Side. Come on, they're gorgeous. They are. That's the sad part of what's happening. Yeah, I mean, they are. If you haven't seen these houses, folks, you're talking uh, lime key stones, accent, slate. Yeah. I mean, when they built these houses, some beautiful houses. These, these were the mansions. These were the, no, I shouldn't say mansions. That these, one wasn't, but it was a nice area. It was the $500,000 house in Birmingham back then. That's what yeah. it was. So it was, you did this, and then your next step was a mansion. I mean, sure. it, it was the shit. And these are beautiful yep. houses. I yep. mean, gorgeous beautiful. houses. I fell in love. That's actually what made me fall in love with real estate. Uh, it's interesting. I can barely screw in a light bulb, but uh, I love the idea of transforming a house and from being in shambles you know, the before and after to making it beautiful and having someone to be able to live there and have their family there. I just love it. And, and occasionally I'll still go out and do this now. I'll just ride through different areas just to look at the beauty of the houses. I love riding down Jefferson, going through Gross Point, uh, different areas in Bloomfield. So I just love looking at the houses. Yeah, especially through Gross Point and yes. East Detroit. It yes. is gorgeous. Built when men Indian knew Village. how to build, really. Yeah. I mean, they really yeah. knew how to build. Some big, big, beautiful houses in Indian Village. Fantastic. mansions yeah no. yes my friend brent he has one it's absolutely gorgeous yeah. all the woodwork in there you could just see it was like years of men's lives just to make you know corners and stuff like it's it was fantastic. Just, it's beautiful lots it's of work amazing. do you did you have to rehab that first deal or did you buy it not very much okay that was the beautiful thing because i had no clue about rehabbing so it worked out really well back then because it was just cosmetic yeah, I did not have to do much of anything and and rightfully so because i paid too much money for it so hopefully i wouldn't have to do anything Deal number two. That one went better. Deal number two. Uh, I don't know how long it was between deal number one and deal number two, but eventually I learned that I have to pay less. I need to make sure I have some cash reserve and I need to make sure that my cash flow is great because 
The one good thing about the first deal is that I was able to run the numbers. And if things went perfectly, which they often never do, then my cash flow was, if I can remember, maybe around 250, 300 bucks a month after everything was all said and done. Except nothing ever goes perfectly. It does not. That worked out well for about about eight or nine months. So it it wasn't too, too bad. But the second deal, uh, I was able to, at closing, walk away with uh, $20,000. And I still had that same $250 in cash flow. And I still was not into the home for more than 75 cents on the dollar. So it was almost like a no lose proposition. All right. So let's, so your business model changed after your, slightly, your first one. Slightly. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're buying at a bigger discount. Were you financing at a hundred percent or did you have to put any money down? Uh, there was money that needed to be put down. It just was not my own. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Actually I got started, believe it or not, I got started with a Carlton sheets, home study course. Hey, like half this country got started. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, you know, Carlton used to have on his wonderful slacks and he was sitting down with his legs crossed. You saw the big, beautiful house. He was interviewing, not, not much unlike what we're doing here now. Uh, the setting was just a little bit different though. I like your setting, Jim. Yeah, it's great. I'll the house it. was nicer, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you saw the expensive cars in the driveway. And what he did for me was transform my thinking. Uh, he helped me to understand that I wasn't crazy that I could do things differently than what I saw the traditional agents or traditional guys doing. And it was right up my alley because I didn't have any money to get started. And though I had family who loved me, they didn't have any money to help me get started. Uh, with the exception of my mom did help me to purchase the Carlton Sheets Home Study Course and to pay for the uh, appraisal and small closing costs for the first deal that thank I Thank you, mom. Yes. Appreciate mom, thank that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. You got in started. Yes. Yes, she did. So... Yeah. But uh, that's what Carlton did for me. He helped me to think creatively. And I thought, wow, I can do this until the wheels fall off. So my model was I wanted to buy homes, get as much money and finance as much as I could, get as much money out at closing as possible and continue doing the same thing over and over again because there were two different things. If I bought, fixed and flipped, if I'm not doing 1031 exchanges, I'm not going to get into that. But if I buy, fix and flip, I get the lump sum of money but I no longer have the asset that can give me passive income and financial freedom is something I've always been interested in. Well, I want to find out a way where I can buy, fix and hold where I can keep the asset where it can appreciate. I can get the same amount of money at closing. I don't have to pay taxes on this money Yeah, I was gonna say. and I get the cash flow. So that was my mindset. That's not a bad mindset, especially when the money was flowing freely, right? It was. Yeah, it was. It, it, it took quite a bit. Uh, it took quite a bit. I think it took me probably uh, to do my first, what I consider to be real deal. It, it may have taken about uh, about five months or so to really to be able to put it together the right way. And I remember coming home just being absolutely exhausted and in awe. I couldn't believe that, wow, it had, I'd actually done it. I got my first, and I think this was at 20, uh, I got my first like big check. It was just shy of twenty thousand dollars, nineteen and change. That's a nice check. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's like, oh that's a life changing check. It is. Yeah, it is. You can't unmake that money yeah, once you like, have it. You ruined now. Yeah. It's like what? How can I go back? Yep. Go back to what? My mom said you make more money in one deal than I do in an entire year as a teacher. Yes. You know, so it's a sad commentary. It whole, is. Se- whole separate conversation. Yeah, it is. Well. Nobody gives a shit about teachers. I mean, we all like to pretend we do, and that's why we put them it's, in schools it's that don't work. just your babies are yeah. with them for, you know, probably the most significant portion of their day. That's it. That's all. Well, Americans like to pretend they care about children, too. So I won't go there, but it's <sighs> yeah. obvious that that's not true, at least in most places. That 
singling back in on that check because I remember my first really big check. Yeah. And for those listening, you can't undo that. That that <laughs> when, when, when Ian said it ruins you, it literally does ruin you, especially after all the hard work, all the mistakes, everything, and then you you finally get one thing mm-hmm. right. And I'm a, I'm a college dropout too. Yeah. By the way. So, all right. Yeah. Right. How long did you go to college? Oh, uh, that's a good question. I believe I did about a year and a half at Michigan Dearborn. It's before. way better than me. I made three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will tell you this, though, uh, because I have kids and I'm convinced that life is much better caught than taught. I did eventually go back to finish uh, my degree. Yeah. I didn't finish at Mich- Michigan Dearborn. I went to Northwood. It was better suited for the entrepreneur in me. Yeah. Yeah. So you, but that was years later in my adult years, which yeah. was much harder. There's nothing wrong with college education. I would not go get a shit ton of loans though, and then want to go out and be a starving artist or a yeah. public school teacher with a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, but there is value in a college education, right? Yeah, it's helped you with your business, maybe credibility. Uh, Never mind. You know what? Here's what it did. I will tell you that what college did for me because I'd already had so much experience on the ground. I think what it helps you to do is to learn persistence, you know, because Commitment, right? yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, I think that's one of the biggest keys or the biggest things that did for me. Now for other people, it may do other things, but I had had so much experience, uh, not just from su- successes, but more importantly from failures at that point, it was really, you know, it wasn't an exercise of utility because I was proud of it, but, uh, no, it didn't, it didn't catapult me. Um, to some great heights as a result of me now saying I've completed this. Uh, I will say though, probably the most valuable thing that I learned was uh, for a small stint, I went to Oakland community college until they take me off, which is a whole separate issue because that's, that's eventually how I got to uh, Northwood and I would not have found Northwood had they not made me mad. But in any event, there was a term uh, that I learned, which I thought was so, so significant for me. And I think it's so significant. And I, and I tell a lot of the people that I coach this. And whenever I do trainings, I mention this is you have to have what's called or they ask the question, do you have an external or an internal locus of control? That means who are you blaming for your success or your failure? Yeah, extreme ownership, folks. Yeah. yeah. And, and I will tell you this, that there were so many people in 2006, which is when the bottom fell out of my business. Um, my first go around in real estate, there were so many people who would tell me and they didn't mean any harm, but I was in good company. Hey, if GM can go bankrupt, you know, what can, what do you expect from a lot of small business owners? And I can appreciate that. But the reality is this, the market, the market didn't help my business, but my business failed not because of the market. No, it was my business business failed because I had a bad business model. Yep. And yes, the, mar- the, the the market didn't help, but the goal as an entrepreneur is to find ways to make money no matter what's going on. And some of your greatest successes and your greatest uh, transfers of wealth happen in the most difficult seasons. Absolutely. AT&T. So, I mean, we can go, we can go on down I mean, you the look list. at all of the wealth that was built as a result of the Great Depression. Yes. It's interesting. It's a really interesting thing. So that was one significant thing that uh, I really took out of college, just being able to articulate, hey, listen, it's me. It's not them. It's me. 
Yeah, I know they're trying to be they're trying to be helpful and they're trying to be nice, but essentially how I translate that is look, you're not the only loser who made bad decisions. <laughs> There's lots of you feel yeah. better about that. Yeah. And that just doesn't make me feel better. Yeah. I, I love the saying, hey, I didn't fail. I just found uh, 10,000 ways for things not to work. Yeah. And then <laughs> all you got to do is look around and see all the people who didn't. And then, yeah, yeah that that's sobering. Yeah. And I would recommend a book to um, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and that's Leif great. Babin. That's great. Um, I think I was raised in a military family and a very um, – male dominated culture if just think about the 80s and what the cartoons were like back then i'll give you an idea for me it really it really helped it it really helped i tiptoed around it for a long time but if you're having problems accepting responsibility for your life uh, <laughs> you might want to start there yeah. and you can get a book on tape go to audible you can yeah. listen to it, it there it's not them it's you it is no you. matter what they do and, and yep. yes do people impact and influence you absolutely uh and can they have an adverse effect on you absolutely, absolutely. but ultimately it's you it's also just life. It's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, why are Big you alcoholic? My father smaller. was an alcoholic. Yeah. Why are you not an alcoholic? My father was an alcoholic. <laughs> you know, same scenario, two different perspectives, two different yep. ways. So much of life is 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 how you respond about what happens. Which, speaking of which, let's. I got a little ahead of myself because let, let's rewind just a little bit. Let's for, go back. Sorry for a few minutes. Let's do it. Um, because at Renegade Detroit Investors, I get new people coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. And the questions are are very similar, you know. Worse than us in some cases, bad family life, really bad start. Detroit, by the way, in Detroit, that's it's about a, as low as you can fucking start in this country, unless you came over on a boat, right? <laughs> Jeremy, tell everyone how you really feel. It's bad. All right, we're talking about it, you're starting really. People say they start at the bottom all the time. No, no, I close to the bottom in Detroit. Mm-hmm. A lot. Thousands of kids, tens of thousands of kids mm-hmm. truly start at the bottom. Yeah, it's tough. It how is did tough. you, how did you grow? How do you, um, I, I don't want to say an employee mindset because I don't think there's anything wrong with being an employee if that's what you wanted to do. But for the people who w- want to run their own business or be self-employed, um, were, were there any points where you remembered or any, any book or thought process, something that just just clicked in you that maybe they're listening that would that help them maybe click their brain and get moving. <sighs> maybe there's not, but no, I no, throw no. It out there. Yeah, actually there, there are a few thoughts running through my mind and, and, and unfortunately I can often be a scatterbrain. So I was just trying to figure out what would be the best way to answer you. So, well, let me go back. Let me make sure. Was there a specific point where something clicked in my mind? What, what's the question one more time? I want to make sure I'm answering the exact question. No. So was there any point in time that you remember specifically? And there might be several points where, and you kind of alluded to it, where you thought something was normal, then you realized it wasn't like, oh, wait a second, we are poor. <laughs> and then uh, yeah. your, your yeah. family struggled towards lower and middle class, right? Where you realize, hold on. There's, there's all these other opportunities and yeah. I can get, I can do that too. Yeah. I, I began to see that, wait a minute, something's a little bit different when we didn't have a car in the motor city. Yeah. That's tough by the way. And my mom is catching the bus with my brother. Uh, I'm sorry, with me to one school, with my brother to another. And then she's catching the bus downtown to Wayne state. So for four year, it took her maybe eight years to get a four year degree, man. And that I, is literally like living life pulling an anchor behind you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hell of a way to, to 
you got to do it. You got to do it. But yeah, yeah I can imagine and that. Then having a car with the uh, a hole in the the bottom of it, or having a car that just didn't quite a work out. Car. Yeah, it was that. It was a. It was a. Did you have to put your feet out. Yes, we did. We did. It was a. It was a Flintstone car. Um, and then you know what began to accumulate were uh, not intentional but broken promises because something always came up. So if I'm supposed to get this uh, small and what I perceive to be inexpensive toy or this uh, new pair of shoes that I've been waiting on, it just seemed like something always came up. And my mother wasn't lying to me. She fully intended to be able to get whatever it is she committed to. But, you know, once the accumulation of, hey, wait a minute, this 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 is a pattern here. What What's going on? And you start seeing the bills and the past due and the stuff that's scattered. And I'm like, uh, hmm. This is a little bit different. Like piecing a puzzle together. Yeah. Every year you're putting more pieces and it makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, so it wasn't one particular moment to say, hey, I'm poor. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. It was an accumulation oh, over man. a bit of time. I don't know. How long did you guys do the the bus with you and, I mean, your mom and your siblings? That, that, that had to be hard. <sighs> you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting and you hear this, but because not all, but so many of the people I grew up around were sort of kind of in a similar circumstance. It's normal. normal. Yeah. There was a normalcy to it. Uh, but the older you get, the more mature you get, the more uh, sophisticated your level of thinking becomes. You know, you are just more aware of certain things. So it wasn't that bad. That wasn't that bad. Uh, to answer your question, how long do we do it? I'm not certain. Um, I'm really, really not certain. But I will say it was it was for a couple of years, though. Yeah. Long enough to hurt. Yeah, long enough for me to uh, remember it. Yeah. And maybe I have suppressed memories because I can't remember the specific time. Yeah, I, my memory is bad, so I have to take copious notes. And in the podcast I recorded with uh, Andy Diderosi of the Detroit Bus Company, I'm going I'm to go over it again a little bit here, but you should go listen to that. It's not like public transportation in the Motor City is particularly good or efficient. <laughs> or It's getting better now. Yeah. I can only imagine what... Uh, it's a difficult thing to do under best of circumstances, and Detroit has not necessarily had the best of circumstances. Well, you so. know how people use their word interesting, and it's always loaded. You could yeah. use uh, that term for so many. It was interesting. It was interesting. <laughs> it, was, yeah. uh, it was interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure not entirely safe all the time, too. Yeah, it was not. But you know one thing that I would say, uh, and I wish I could recall where uh, the, statistic, the statistics are and what the book is, but there uh, were some statistics that I – read that and I agree with this. I actually love, believe it or not, I love where I grew up. I love how I grew up. I intentionally came back to the city so that my kids can grow up in the city because there's a certain amount of grit that is produced if you live in the city of Detroit and a certain amount of resiliency. And for that I wouldn't trade the experience in for anything in the world because it comes in such handy. Because you understand if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. I was just going to say that's actually one of the reasons why I moved to Detroit because I figured if I if my ideas can survive here, which, by the way, most of them didn't, they meant <laughs> brutal, nasty deaths as well. They should. But uh, most didn't. But the few that did, they really did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they died nasty. That. But it does feel like if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere except for maybe corrupt Russia or something. Sure. And, and, and let me just say this. I'm really referring to anywhere in the U.S. Yes. In America. Yeah, North let America. me. Yeah, yeah. Let me be. Let me be really sensitive to that. Yeah, it, right. It's uh, where there's great opportunity. Uh, there's also great peril. Sure. Too, right? Sure. So it's the place where that's at. So All I right. appreciate my experience. I appreciate yeah. where I came from so much so that I came back. I love the grittiness of Detroit. I do too. 
I wish we could elect people who had brains. That would help. It would be. But it um, would be the grittiness. What can I say? Detroit made me who I who I am, and I will I will forever be thankful for Detroit for that. That's for sure. Now, let me just say, you're a fine, upstanding citizen. I am now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually. Well, it took a third of a century to get there. I take it. Yeah. So okay. So now, uh, hopefully that helps. If you're, if you're wondering whether you should or you can or if it's possible or it, you're not the only one who's had a terrible start in life, man. You just you just got to do. It. Oh, one more question. Sure. The whole crab in the pot kind of thing, right? I had this happen to me. I don't know if, if it happened to you while you were trying to claw your way out. Yes. Of thing. Let me just say yes. Okay. How did you deal with that? And what I'm saying pulling you they're They're always, unfortunately, either on purpose or not. Yeah. Some of them are even well-intentioned. Um, but the end effect is the same as pulling you down while you're trying to go back. Yeah. Up. You know, the thing that I would say to that, and that there's so much I can say about that, especially not just Detroit, and obviously Detroit is you know over eighty percent predominantly African American. Uh, that is shifting now somewhat, but you do experience that, and that's not necessarily unique to Detroit. But yes, especially in Detroit as well. But I think that as an entrepreneur, there's a certain thing that we develop called reality distortion. Uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to be striving toward a future destination that isn't necessarily as clear as you would like for it to be. And you have to develop reality distortion. You are bending a future reality to what it is that you see, right? Um, and you have to develop the ability to have tunnel vision. You have to have an ira- sometimes an irrational and unreasonable drive toward moving toward what you want. So no matter the circumstance, no matter what people are doing or saying around you, you still have to be able to move toward it. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot. And not only that, just as an aside, and we won't touch on this too much, but one thing that I found that was extremely disappointing for me is that I thought that me being a young and I, I thought that I was a pretty sharp guy. Obviously, I was rough and needed to have so much more polishing and, and, and continue to need that. Right. I mean, we all need to continue to grow and learn. Um, but I thought that if I got to the who's who among at least African-Americans uh, that I perceived to be or were perceived to be successful, the people that you would see in the newspapers and on television. I thought that if I got to them and and if I could gain mentorship, uh, if I could work with them for free, right? I thought that uh, it would be great for both parties, but it's interesting. You know, I was either perceived as uh, not worth their time. Really? Or a threat. You? <laughs> right. Me. Pretty nice guy. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so rather than someone saying this, this guy is, you know, young, He's hungry. He's aggressive. He's on the move. You know, I, if I could just help him in certain areas, you, you just don't see that. And it's it's really an epidemic among the African American community because community because when you look at different groups of uh, people, you look at different cultures. Unlike any of the other cultures that you look like, African Americans, we just there's something we just do not stick together. By and large, I don't know if it's just. African-Americans, I had similar experiences. It might be worse. I don't know. I'm not African-American. I can't tell you. Um, I don't know if my experiences were better or worse. I, I had similar experiences, and I could sum it up like this. The the death of who I perceived to be my childhood heroes uh, was brutal. Uh, oh, oh, You know, you, you really look up to someone, and you, you, 
you're like, okay, if I could just be like this person. Sure. Sure. It, oh boy. Sure. But you, you know, know what? People are human and I they understand are. it. Some of them, here's, well, here's one thing I did discover though, that uh, chipped a little bit of the edge that I had off of, uh, off of me. So it made my heart a little bit more uh, pliable in this area. So many people are scared of mentorship because depending upon who you talk to, that means so many different things to many different people because they haven't necessarily experienced themselves. They don't know how to put together a track to be able to help someone else get that, get to the position that the, you know, that they're trying to get to. So as I got older, I understood that it, it, it wasn't, there was a third reason. It wasn't, you know, uh, just you're not worth my time or you're a threat. The third reason that I saw where you don't really see a lot of the mentorship in the development is because people simply don't necessarily know how to do it. So that helped a little bit, but uh, there's still though a significant amount of, you know, the crab in a barrel type yeah. scenario. Well, well, do you have any recommendations on uh, avoiding that or, or dealing with that? Um <clears throat> Maybe not. I do. While you're thinking about that, I do appreciate that how gritty it made me. It sure. took a little while to overcome, but sure. it's kind of like working out or like you said, going sure. back and finishing college because you sure. started, you wanted to finish that commitment, seeing something through. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I do a couple of things. Uh, I, I have served my way into many circles. So if there are some things that you're looking to learn and there are some things that, uh, and there's some things that you are really hoping to glean from someone rather than uh, rather than going to them and asking them, uh, can they help you? You go in and ask, how can you serve them? And you research that person and you learn what their likes are and their dislikes and their struggles and their accomplishments. And you generally and not just for flattery's sake, but if this is someone that you admire, and you want to learn from, you let them know and say, hey, listen, I'd like to come work for you. I'd like to come. And, and, and oh, by the way, I can do it for free. And you do that enough times uh, to the right people, then I think you'll be successful. And you can't just limit it to your race. The reality is this, um, and, and I'm not particularly interested in playing the race card. If there's something that you're looking to learn, you find those who are at the top of the field. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you, you the best go, is the best. The best is the best. It doesn't really. It doesn't matter. Yep. You know, the best is the best. So you find a way if you can to go and learn firsthand. Now, if for whatever reason you've reached out to theoretically everyone you can reach out to fail forward, do it yourself. I don't think it would happen, but that's good advice. It won't. Yeah, it won't. I have personal experience with this. Uh, you are incredibly yes. persistent. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> we could tell that story. Uh, yes, we can. At some point in time, yes. persistence really does count. It does. Yeah, it does. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. So fast forward. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is maybe if I can shave off six months or mm -hmm. a year or, or if somebody listening to this could just hear that. Cause you know, I, I just wasted years trying to come to these conclusions and sure. yeah. it's hard when necessarily by yourself, you're not in a good place or a mindset. If you could shorten the learning curve, if you could serve your way uh, through shortening the learning curve or pay your way through shortening the learn learning curve, do so. Yeah. You can always make more money. There's no more. Whatever time you have is whatever time it's you a have. It's commodity. Yep. And you're not getting you know, any it's more. It's interesting. A lot of people talk about time management. There is no such thing. And I understand the sentiment. You don't manage time. You manage priorities. Yes. Time happens, folks. <laughs> Whether you want it to or not. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to blink your eye. It's all going to be over. So, all right. So fast forward back to you have a low down 
none of your own money or very little of your own money by not necessarily rehab, maybe very light rehab. Sure. And you're doing kind of like cash out refi, but you're doing it a purchase, right? Money out. Yep. Purchase, right? There was a time you could do that. Yes. I'm legally. Sure. Yeah, you can remember that. <laughs> um, how long did that go on? Do you, I don't know how many deals you remember that you did, what that looked like, and then what, of course, what the end looked like. Yeah. So uh, the bottom fell out in 2006. So we can work backwards from when I started. I don't know. What did you say? 2002? Something along those Somewhere lines? Somewhere 2002-2003-ish. Round, round about. Yeah. So I had a pretty good run there. But here's what the problem was. Um, my business was entirely too heavily dependent upon debt. Right? That's a bad. So because if, if the financing stops flowing, your business model is dead. Single exit strategy. Yeah. yeah and, and also my business model was too heavily dependent upon me. Right? I had learned how to be self-employed. I got really good at doing deals. I could structure deals in my sleep. What I did not learn until until sometime later was how to actually run a sustainable and scalable business. And that's what one of the main problems was. In addition to the fact that I was still young, let me just throw this in here, right? So I was young I, is a problem. I was young. Yeah. And uh and and here's what I'll say. You can you can abuse uh some of your greatest strengths can also be a weakness. And uh you know, I have a big heart to help. And I helped and to the point sometimes where it hurt, not just the person I was helping, but also us. Right. So so all of that, the combination of all of that, but but mainly a bad business model is uh, what really caused the end. As a matter of fact, once I began to make the transition in my thinking from being self-employed to actually run a, running a sustainable and scalable business, this was around 2005, the end of 2005. And my wife and I were going to open two adult foster care homes. We had two big, beautiful homes on Pontchartrain. Uh, these homes were model homes. It's rare when you have the state come in and say, we can't wait for you to open this. We love the services that you're going to do. By the way, this was a different business model. And I also paid $10,000 to get over my learning curve there, shortened the time that it would have taken me by at least 18 months. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got to uh, a gentleman who ran uh, he had a multi-million dollar uh, adult foster care home business that we connected with from a consulting standpoint. But so we were going to owner operate one home. We actually bought two homes. One was 17200 Pontchartrain. The other one was 17201 Pontchartrain. And the backyard was the golf course in Palmer, right? Nice. Yeah. So one, we were going to owner operate. The other one, we were going to build out for our owner operator that we partnered with to be able to run it. Well, the combination of us being the victims of fraud, which will always shut down deals where people literally go to the county and record their name on your property and, and, and cause, uh, cause a cloud on your title. Yeah. So we had spent all of our liquid cash because the engine that was always going, which was buying homes and pulling our money back out, we were expecting to pull a half million dollars of our money uh, plus some additional of the bank's money out for a bunch of homes that we had, right? So we spent all of our liquid cash and we were expecting, we were like 95% of the way there. We held all, all of the licenses. We were just awaiting final inspection. Very close then. Yeah, we were right there. You know, and I had no clue how quickly, how swiftly you, we could fall. As a matter of fact, I went on a missions trip to Uganda, Africa. And I expected to come back to Easy Street. But my, <laughs> my wife and I say that 06 was a good year. And we say it jokingly, sort of tongue in cheek, because 06 was hell. Oh, yeah. Because it started with... Um, our deals, there were three or four deals that we were looking to pull, pull a half million dollars out of that fell completely apart. Um, in addition to that, I had about, oh, I can't, it was about four or five family members that passed, close family members. And this is all in the last quarter of 06. 
And then the straw that broke the camel's back was my wife got deathly ill and was put on bed rest with the birth of our first daughter. So that shut everything completely down quickly. Man, that is like yeah. a tsunami of misfortune and bad business plan and market. If it Just was everything me, all at once. I, if, it, if, it had, if I hadn't have experienced it, I would say, listen, you are lying to dramatize your story. But because I actually lived it, it's the only reason that I believe it. That so. was a shitty year, huh? It was uh, tough to say the least. Oh, man. My wife and I say 06 was a good year. Yeah. <laughs> I was, it was a good year. It was 06. a good year. I'm sure you learned a lot. How did you how did you make it through that year? What were your coping mechanisms? Also, I know you went from a, um, a very nice house. Uh, I think it was in Birmingham. Was it in Birmingham? No, 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 no. We were out in Oxford, Michigan. Oxford, so the backyard yeah. was a, a lake. The front yard was, I don't know, it was like the fourth or fifth hole. Um, it was close to a 10,000 square foot house. It was a builder's dream house. I mean, this... This had a doggy shower, retractable chandeliers. I mean, all of the, you know. Uh, retractable chandelier. That sounds pretty nice. It, it was pretty cool. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it, quite honestly. Um, it, it was one of those houses that you see on television. It was really a dream house. And we bought it to live in, but even that was an investment opportunity for us. Um, so, yes, it was great. But the way that I survived it really seriously is be- because I uh, I have a pretty strong faith. And uh, interestingly, uh, because of how difficult the season was, it almost gave me a time to rest because I had become probably, for lack of a better term, so consumed with money and making money and running so far away from where I had come from that uh, I actually feel like I needed to have been shut down. I wish it didn't necessarily have to have been that way. But for me, sometimes it takes for my knees to be blown out and I've gotten better. But it, it took for my knees to be blown out for me to just really sit down and really reevaluate what was most important. I know exactly what that. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe not exactly. I shouldn't say exactly. I know. I have a pretty good idea. I know idea. a little bit of your story, Jerry. You're so, so uh, deep in it and everything's an emergency every day for so long that you, could, you just yeah. lose sight of the road. Yeah. And you just got to make it. Sun yeah. up to sundown, literally. Yeah. And I was literally making myself sick. You know, I was only maybe throughout an entire 24-hour period sleeping three, maybe four hours. Yeah, it sounds very You know, familiar. taking – yeah, so it uh, it needed to have ended the way that it did. I couldn't understand it back then, amen. but I definitely understand I it now. Say, even I'll say amen. Yeah, and here's yeah. the thing. Here, here's the thing that I really appreciate. After you have failed, it removes your fear of failure. Fear of failure. Now, you don't want to go back to that place. But you can legitimately say, okay, what's really the worst that can happen? Yeah, I really don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what's really the worst that can actually happen? But at the time, I at don't know time, if you, it, it did feel like the world was ending. It did, but I will tell you this. Uh, quite honestly, there was a point where I really, a real peace just came over me because after experiencing uh, the financial challenges and the loss and after experiencing the deaths and then when my wife got sick, I said, okay, I, I'm I'm sort of recentered. I'm refocused. I understand what's really most important. And interestingly, throughout that, I had a peace, you know, that that came over me. And I, I can't really explain it other than God's grace, but I really did have a peace that came over me uh, that said, it's it's okay. You I know, was going to ask right. you about that because you have this. Um, and if you go to the website too, you can watch this video. It's uh, Sierra Bravo SB dreamcoach.com and if you click the about me it's it's right there um i'm curious because i i specifically remember when this happened to me but the way you described it was 
Um, you, you said that, and then you followed it up with, um, you decided, you decided that you were never going to be in this position again. Yep. Let's talk about that. Cause I think that's, that's really important. Plenty of people fail. Sure. Most, it, it appears to me, most don't experience that and then get back up and move on. So maybe if we talk about this, somebody who has failed, cause we all fail. Sure. Maybe they can find it. It'll help them search it. Or maybe they can get to it a little quicker. So let's, if you don't mind chatting about that. Yeah. You, you know, I think that it's a slight perspective shift that many people need to have. Yes, you failed. You need to embrace that. But you are not a failure. I think if people can get that, and it sounds overly simplistic, right? But if you really can understand that I failed at doing this, this did not, this did not work. Uh, but I'm not a failure in life. I'm only a failure if I tuck tail and, and give in, if I decide that I'm just going to stay here on the floor, if I decide that I'm not going to get back up. So I think that that's what's really important. And here's the reality, too. And, and a lot of people, and especially this is tough here up in the north, but uh, when you look at places like Silicon Valley, and I love, you know, for those of you who are, you who are listening, go to Stanford Techn- Technology Ventures Program. You will absolutely love eCorner. That's where some of the most successful entrepreneurs in the entire world come to speak. And uh, so, you know, for those of you who are just familiar with the entrepreneurial ecosystem, you know that Stanford uh, pumps out some of the greatest in Silicon Valley. California in general pumps out some of the greatest tech entrepreneurs that, that we've seen. Now, we're developing that here with Dan Gilbert leading the charge, but that's a whole separate issue. But here we have this mentality that I don't want to fail, right? Down there, they have a mentality that, hey, I need to experiment and I need to see what works and what doesn't work. And if I do fail, I want to fail quickly and inexpensively so that I can get back on track, right? Fail fast. I want to fail fast and I want to fail forward. And that's a big shift. You don't get that mindset here so much. So many people try to avoid failure that they really, in essence, are not reaching towards success in the way that they should. So again, if you can change your mindset to understand that, hey, this failed, but the only way that I'm going to be successful is by going through the road of failure. So the the, the road to success is paved with all of your failures along the way. And uh, for uh, for a significant amount of time, um, you know, that's just what I focused on. I'm not a failure. I did fail. And it, it was tough because I'm Prideful guy was too prideful, right? I going from one success to the next, from That's one that high. Young male, right? That's really yeah. a problem. You got all that energy yeah. to work twenty hours yeah. a day. I but, was prideful, not not yeah. arrogant, but prideful, right? I got it. I'm doing it. I'm feeling Ego, good. right? Yeah. You're doing good. You're kicking yeah. ass, taking names. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but it's really good because it gives you a great balance. Yeah. And to have failed and got back up and been successful again, and know the steps to take. And to have been able to take lessons and take notes and be able to apply that now, I think that's where a lot of the value lies. Yeah. I remember when I just, it was about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know what? This is bullshit. <laughs> Get up. Just do something. Get Nothing up. is going to happen laying on this couch. Oh, I feel so sorry yeah, for my, what was me? The world was so mean to me. That's People really, are so bad. And they are. And they are. Too bad, right? Yeah. Too bad. We, we live in a real world. This is how it is. <laughs> uh, just lay down and die. Or go, what was I? I remember I was like, what am I going to do? Go get a job? <laughs> I am so unemployable. It is ridiculous. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, you know, what, what's interesting is so crazy. I understand that there are some people who are definitely unemployable, Jeremy, and you very well may fall into that category. But I will say that for some, not all, I strongly recommend that some people go, if you can work and learn your craft, 
I think it's a good thing. Um, if you can go into the area that you want to learn and work and actually get paid for it, that that's even better, right? That's a smart way to do it. I would it, say it, if you can do it now, you do run the risk of getting comfortable. Yes, there is a risk of definitely getting comfortable, but uh, I think there's value in having. Uh, and, and again, this depends on who you talk to, and there are many different philosophies regarding this. But I think there's value, especially in this day and age. You can't. You're not just going to raise the amount of money you used to just be able to go and raise for a new venture. The cost of starting a business now is so low. You're not going to raise money with a traditional business plan and going to a bank or going to it. No, you start it. Well, why not use your job to fund your business and then allow the passive income or the money you're making from your business to be able to take you out of your job while you're learning how to do a better job of running your company? So for some people, I think working could be a good thing. I know three millionaires who are going to be on the podcast at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, I already booked one of them who did exactly that. It's fantastic. Good jobs. They lived well below their means. They took that money and within three years they were done. Yeah. So that is, and you know what? They don't have this. I lost all the money, you know? Yeah. That story sucks. Yeah. It, so you can you, skip it. If, yeah, uh, you can. You can. <laughs> and it gives you, here's what I love. It gives you time to test things in a more safe environment, yeah. right? Because, um, you know, everyone's ideas sound good to them until you, have your first customer, your your first customer interaction, right? It, it amazes me. Um, and we all do it as human nature, right? But there are so many things that you learn that are cliche that are absolutely wrong, right? You know, you don't determine whether you have a good business idea or not. The market does. Exactly. And they vote with their dollars. We were talking about before we started the podcast, my first business and how proud I was <laughs> and how I had to name it with my own name That's and it. how and <laughs> how bad of an idea it really was. <laughs> You know, it's uh, and I was yeah. how unwilling I was to accept it for so long, and uh, yeah, that yeah, that is dangerous. Once you s- got a name, then yeah, name it after some stuff. But yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some exceptions, but in any event, I would say too, and and I don't know if this is for for everyone. Um, you're very likely if you come from a rough background or a disadvantaged background, but also just for males in general, young males is patience is a very Difficult thing. Still working on it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) This is where you have to allow time to benefit you. That was a curse word. Yeah. Some of this stuff (laughs) actually (laughs) does take time. Don't say the P word. I know. So I would that I had this impatience Mm -hmm. to 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 force things to happen. And you kind of have to have some of that because you have to be aggressive, right? You you have to be aggressive. Impose yourself. Your business plan and your ideas on you do people, but um, it's the, an interesting balance yeah. and one that you don't necessarily learn until you actually do it. Because uh, there's so many people who are getting ready to get ready and they're theorizing about what will happen. No, get out there and test it. Get out there and see. You know what patience would mean is before I decide to start putting two or three or four, however much money into marketing in this particular idea. Uh, how about you test it first? Yeah, that, just just a thought. It's an excellent thought. Just, just a thought. It would have literally saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, t- yeah. Why don't you test that and see? Yeah. That, I wish I read that book 10 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wish a lot of things. Okay. So excellent points too. Thank you. And this is going really well. Uh, this is a good podcast. I'm enjoying it. I'm having a good time on this it. one. Um, so the crash comes. You have the worst best year. <laughs> and it is the worst best year, folks. And it doesn't make – if it. It may not make sense to you now, but it might it might make sense later. The worst yeah. best year of your life, yes. two thousand six. Yes. Let let's start there. How did you start to pick the pieces up and move forward? 
So I always wanted to well, let me take a step back and say this. I have always had a passion, probably because of what I did not have to help other people accomplish their goals. So even when I looked at my business model, I love being able to provide housing because that was one of the greatest goals that certain people had. Right. You know, the American dream, uh, as so many of us know, it is a, it's a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, vacations, whatever. Right. So I love that. So I wanted to stay in that vein, if you will. And that when I was about 12 or 13, I drew on a sheet of paper what I consider to be the circle of wealth. So I drew on a sheet of paper um, how I would come full circle in my business development ventures. And it started with real estate. That was the path of least resistance that I saw to building wealth and getting freedom. And then I was going to go from real estate to financial services. So I can also help other people build wealth. I would have the real estate knowledge. And then once people made money in the real estate, I can help them, in, you know, from as a financial advisor. You're doing this at 12 or 13? I was. Man, you put together a kid. I, I was. Especially for a street kid. Come I, on, man. That's, I really that's impressive. Wish, I really wish that I could find that now. I think about it a lot. And eventually, it's so amazing how this whole thing worked out. Because I saw this as the most expensive thing. Eventually, it would be movies. Like, that would be the last business that I got into because I, I I thought that was, like, the most expensive thing. Man, you were thing. thinking big. <laughs> I'm doing movies. I, 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 I believe in dreaming big. So Hell yeah. Uh, so I transitioned into the financial services industry. As a financial advisor, um, I got my Series 7 and 66, and I went to work for AXA for a short season. Um, and I say short because of this. To some extent, and and uh, I want to be careful to make sure I don't get sued here, uh, even though I know I heard your disclaimer. Yeah. Well, let me just say this. What I perceived would be my opportunity wasn't necessarily what it was. Um, I did not want to come in because I just had this experience of functioning like a traditional financial advisor, which is traditionally self-employed, right? I wanted to come in and be a rainmaker. I wanted to build a team and have a business, right? So it's so interesting. At this point, I still don't have my degree. I remember, <laughs> and I won't mention his name, but there's a gentleman who was high up in the company. Uh, he just happened to stop into the office and uh, he's interesting. It's that wonderful word again. Yeah. He, he, was, he was interesting. <laughs> uh, and he was asking, you know, who was, you know, the guy who I was meeting with who was going to eventually became my manager. He asked me, okay, who is this? Who is this such and such? This is Ian. He did such and such. Told him a little bit about my background. And, uh, you know, he shook my hand. And then they talked a little bit more about me as if I wasn't standing there. Uh, and then the guy turned around. He found I didn't have a degree. He turned around, turned his back to me, turned to the manager. How the hell is, how the hell is he going to pass a series 7 to 66? How's he going to be a good eight, uh, <laughs> a good agent? So that was my entry into... Yeah. Welcome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, now the amazing, <laughs> amazing thing is, and I didn't know this, uh, those are not the easiest exams to take. Uh, I found out that some people take those exams seven to eight. You talk about persistence. Seven yeah, you're to smart eight, cat, nine man. times. Yeah. Series um, seven is no joke. For those listening, series seven is? Your securities license. Yeah. So yeah, your securities license. Yeah. So I, you know, so if you want to become a financial advisor, your 66 is what allows you to charge people for plans as opposed to actually selling, selling them a service. So uh, I, I worked for AXA, which is a an insurance-based planning firm, which was going to be good. I was hitting all of my goals. And uh, quite honestly, if you if you make it in that field five years, you get paid an ungodly amount of money for literally nothing, right? You, you really, really do. A lot of sweat equity though, right? It is. A lot of time in. It is. And I just, just the model that they were going for, I'm saying I, I just came from that. And that's not what, what was communicated, right? I sort of kind of shared my background. I was pretty clear. I'm a pretty straight shooter, right? So there, I wasn't mincing words. Bait and switch maybe? Um, 
Yeah. Misunderstanding. So it was yeah. a misunderstanding. It, misunderstanding. It, I had a misunderstanding, Jeremy. I believe Burgess. you. Yes. I had a misunderstanding. So communication's a difficult thing sometimes. It, it is. It is. I fail at it all the time. So I, I take the the blame for that. So interestingly, though I never had a business mentor, one of the people uh, that has had a significant impact in my life is a gentleman by the name of Christopher Brooks. He's actually the senior pastor. Uh, of my church, Evangel Ministries, right here in Detroit. It's a 1,500-member, non-denominational church. And he really took me in and developed me from a life standpoint. It's called discipleship. So just helping me to live in a way that was pleasing to God in all the major areas of your life, in your faith, your finance, in your family, your fitness, in your future. So he was really significant uh, in my life, and he needed help. And there was an opportunity for me to go and help him. He was pursuing a higher education. Uh, he, there were businesses that the church actually started. Uh, there were ministries that he needed assistance with. So I went, he, I was recruited uh, and I went there willingly and it was a significant financial sacrifice. The goal was to be there for two years. I ended up staying there working at the church for four years uh, so that I could uh, do my best. I could never repay him, but to be able to give back for the significant impact that he had. So yeah, service, right? Lead yeah. to service. Yep. Is that where you really started to put that together? Was yeah, yeah, because uh, a lot of my philosophies, and I, I've been a believer in Christ uh, since a young age, but there was a point in time in my life where um, I needed for God and I needed for the Bible to be more real to me, and my church was a small family church that I came from. I've only been to two churches in my life uh, where my uncle was a senior pastor um, and most of the elders in that church have passed on now, but I needed to see an example of what a godly man looked like and how the, the Bible really applied to some of the difficult and complex issues that I was facing because I came close to uh, a nervous breakdown. I really, really did. And I, I remember uh, specifically crying out to the Lord, listen, if you are real, um, I need you to touch me. Now, at that point, I believed in him. I knew it was real, but it, he felt so far and so distant from me. Um, and that's during that transition period is when I happened to meet Pastor Brooks. It's interesting. You know, God knows the right bait to catch the right fish, right? So they had their first ever business conference. Uh, so I went there and I heard him speak. And he was yeah, at you, this point. You do need the right bait, right? You need you the do. right bait. You need that's the a right good bait. lesson to Listen, learn. I will right? tell you this. No matter whether you believe in Christ or not. Some of the best business and life principles have been ripped off from the Bible, and you would do well. Even if you took God out of it, it would still be the, one of the best books of wisdom you'll ever read. So, But in any event, um, I heard him speak, and I was chiming in and answering and responding. I said, this guy's pretty sharp. At this point, I had no idea he's a pastor, right? Uh, it's just this economic empowerment you know, conference, their very first one. So we ended up connecting, and we ended up uh, going to lunch. And I began to visit there. Obviously, I found out he was a pastor. He was the executive pastor at that time. He wasn't the senior pastor. And uh, we just really hit it off. And, and I really just began to um, analyze him and see his life and understand the impact that he was having. And I wasn't necessarily looking for a father figure that I knew of consciously, uh, subconsciously. That, that could have been that whole deal because of a strained relationship with my father. But um, it Good was examples just, are, are important. Yeah. You need a good example, yeah. especially... I, for me, it helped a lot having yeah. failed. It, yeah. It's really important to have a good example, I think. He was a man's man, a man of integrity. Uh, he was just someone, and if you were to meet him right now, he's that type of guy that lights up the room, and he's not charismatic for the sake of being charismatic, right? Um, 
but you know, he had a significant impact where he really walked with me. I actually wrote him, you know, serving my way into circles. I said, listen, here's my mindset. Listen, I will sign whatever nine competes business mindset and nine disclosures (laughs) that you want me to sign. I just like to be able to come and observe. You don't even have to talk to me directly. Um, And that letter is what uh, really drew me to him and him to me. And interestingly, so, you know, you always have to test people, right? Because people are not, we use an acronym called FIT. If if you're going to labor with someone, they have to be faithful, interested, and teachable, right? So he was testing my fitness. Okay, go read this book and do this, 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 and then come back. I'm sure he expected me to come back in a month and I would come back in less than a week, you know? And eventually I, uh, I got so close and stayed at the church so long, people thought I worked there. So, yeah, so that was that story. Let's talk about fit. That is fascinating to me because I've I've never heard it called fit, mm-hmm. but I've had to develop similar strategy. Need a framework. You, you kind of do, right? So let's talk about that because that's excellent. So mm-hmm. fit. Let's talk about, explain it as you understand it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So if you are going to labor with someone, if you're going to me- mentor someone, if you're going to invest the most precious commodity that you have, which is your time in someone, they have to be fit. They have to be faithful. They have to be interested and they have to be teachable. So there's so many people who come out of the woodworks and say they want to be, they want to do these great and grandiose things. Uh, but the first test, uh, another word for uh, faithful to some extent is going to be persistence, right? How persistent are you? How faithful are you going to be to what I've told you? So you have to test this. The only way you, you can't just listen to what someone will tell you because they'll tell you anything until life happens. Man, this is some great advice. I hope you're listening to this. Folks. <laughs> so just, I could have used this 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So what you need to do is give them a, a wonderful framework, give them uh, a difficult uh, and time consuming assignment and see if they do it and see if they follow up. And then you need to give them another difficult and time consuming. And obviously it's subjective. You can get a feel, right? Um, yeah, it's so not it's black not, and white. But. Yeah, it, it's not set in stone, but you need to come up with a framework, whatever that is, of testing people, sending them away and giving them some things that are not impossible, but some things that are pretty involved and pretty intense for them to do before you decide to invest in them. And they have to remain interested, right? Uh, because, again, we talked about this. Success is how you finish, not how you start. So if at any point they just don't seem interested anymore, then you withdraw. And then they have to be teachable. There's no need. You came to me. I didn't come to you. Right. And I believe in rigorous and critical dialogue. But if I am asking for someone to teach me, you almost have to dummy yourself down. Uh, And that doesn't mean you turn off your critical thinking. Right. But you're trying to glean as much as you can glean. So you want to listen much more than what you're talking. Right. So that that those traits, those characteristics have to be seen throughout the entire duration of your relationship. And it starts off with a healthy way of determining the first letter, which is fit, right? So are they, I'm sorry, are they going to be faithful? So you need to find out, are they going to be faithful? Because another biblical principle, faithful and little ruler and much. So, you know, that's a decent framework, uh, not an exact science, but a decent way, a decent framework that you can develop. In. No, I would say it's an exact science. If you can't <laughs> follow through on the little things, why do you think somebody would follow through on the big things? Mm-hmm. It, why am I going to invest my time? Yeah. Right. Why, why do it? That's the truth. Because you only have so much of it. And there are so many people um, who were, and for me, I was just desperate and hungry for learning. Eventually, my mentors came out of books. I still haven't had a business mentor. Now, over the years, I've been blessed with different advisors and people who I feel much better about now. Um, so I'm always looking for mentors. I don't care if I'm making $100 million. There's still somebody, somebody who's making a billion. 
I can always learn. I'm, I'm just hungry. I'm a voracious reader. Actually, I'm a voracious listener. Now, now I do <laughs> mostly audiobooks and I love it. I love uh, my car is a university on wheels. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that's a, a decent way of looking at it. That is now it does to the uninitiated, to the, to, to somebody who hasn't gone through this and done this, it does sound harsh, but really what it is, is a way to separate the wheat from the shaft. You only have so much time. Time mm-hmm. is your most precious resource. Mm-hmm. And life isn't fair. It's not. And let me say this. Let me preface this by saying this. You do not have to be a jerk. I'm not saying that you have to turn on your jerk personality. You can leave that at home, right? But what I am saying is that you need to be very protective of your time. Um, and and oftentimes, in order to help people, Giving them certain assignments, it, it helps to reveal where they are in their heart, in their, in their minds, right? Because if they're not willing to do this, let's let them find this out already now. Because if you can't do this, you're not going to make it in this business that you're trying to start at the first sign of adversity. Yeah, we have this kind of regressive liberal brainwashing thing flying through that like tests are bad and that everybody should go through. I'm hoping we're coming to our tail end of it, but... And it manifests itself in other ways too. Every kid gets a trophy, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I think that's dangerous. It is. Did you hear, uh, did you hear about the NFL player who forced his two boys to give the trophy back? Who is that person? I like that person already. I will send it. Oh, his name is escaping me. Yeah. But he, I like that guy already. His kids won a participation trophy. Yeah. And he said, while I appreciate it, doing your best Sometimes it's not enough. Oh, right. Thank you. It, it just is not enough. No. Right. There are winners and there are losers. Uh, you either win this contract and keep your business alive or you don't. Yes. And sometimes you don't. It, you don't get a prize for that. Sometimes your best isn't good enough. True. What it is. My second business failed because I thought if there, I could do anything if I could just work hard enough. And you know what? That is not true. It, it is. So, oh, my God. So one of the. One of the things that I do in a seminar that I teach, um, you know, I sort of kind of debunk some of the myths that act. it almost shattered my frame of reality, my frame of reference. You know, you always hear that, hey, if you work hard, you'll succeed. Now, let me preface by saying this. Yes, you need to work hard. But that's not it. But that is not it. I know some people who have worked themselves so hard where they literally have put themselves in the hospital and made themselves sick. And still poor. And still poor. Yes. So, No. So uh, I will make sure that I get that because I, I thought it was a phenomenal story. He said, listen, I love my kids. I would do anything for my kids. But sometimes your best isn't good enough. You're not going to win a trophy just for participation. You're going to win a tr- trophy when you've earned it yeah. and you deserve it. That guy. That guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. It, it does sound harsh, but you know what? This is life on this planet. Life man. is not fair. Yeah, I don't know. There's nowhere else to live that I'm aware and, of. And hopefully, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not being painted as a cynic. I, I, I'm a bit of a realist, right? Yes. Now I'm optimistic because of my faith, but the reality is we live in a sinful and fallen world. It's not fair. It is what it is. Well, you, you, you pointed out too, you do have to, if you're trying to make something that isn't there, you do have to have that tunnel vision. You do. You, focus on it to make it happen because it, it's not going to happen any other way. It's not. And it's going to happen uh, in the context that you are in. You cannot just magically, you know, just wheels off into wonderful land. Yeah. And That's- just, and just so we're clear too, because I don't want anybody to get this. There is, you can't do this without working hard either. It's just not the exactly. only thing exactly. you need. No. And I was under the impression that, if I worked as hard as I could, that's what we heard. That's what yes, we hear. Yes. Right? It and is so cliche. That's a lie. 
it, it, that that's not the way I did 19 20 hours a day for almost 2 years and all I did was prolong yeah. the inevitable and, and potentially make yourself sick both I physically did. and mentally in the I process. broke myself I actually had a nervous breakdown I, I I just for like 6 months I just completely I just turned off I was mm-hmm. done I literally like that eraser. Stop the train, let me off. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> the eraser on the number two pencil. Yeah. And you just erase, and then it's scraping the page. That yeah. was me. And then it, and then there was nothing left of that. I too. laugh about it, and, and and but it is definitely not necessarily a laughing matter. When you were going through it. Oh, it was terrible. Oh. oh. <sighs> I'm glad, I, I'm, glad yeah. I'm on the other side, yeah. put it that way. Yeah, but, um, exactly. So, you know, uh, going back to that whole FIT acronym, listen. Uh, you're saving people. You're doing them a favor. You do them a disservice if you make it too easy to yes. get to you yeah. because that's not the way things work. So help them to be turned off now before they get into it and their family, uh, their family's livelihood, their livelihood is at stake. And potentially they've gotten as far as having employees that now because they didn't understand what they were doing. They thought everything was going to be easy and they they had the fortune of things coming too easy. And I would even argue misfortune. I would now say they're misfortune, stuck. yeah. Now they're stuck. Too easy for me. Comfort is like kryptonite. I, I can't do anything comfortable. Mm-hmm. I really can't. I've learned that enough. I have to. I have to be incredibly uncomfortable to accomplish things. I'm not sure that's for everybody. Good that but, you know but yourself. For me, I had to figure out the hard way, and comfort really doesn't do anything good for me. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a saying, and this is uh, it's a bit a bit of apples and oranges. Uh, but there's so many people who don't venture out because they're uncomfortable. And and specifically, the discomfort that I'm referring to now, not necessarily yours, was so many people are afraid. This is just a tidbit. Uh, we're going to throw this in there for free. If you're going to be successful, you have to do it afraid. Yes. There's you no other way. You have to do it afraid. You're yeah. not going to be perfect. You're going to screw up. The goal is to minimize the screwing up, learn as you go, correct as you go. Do it afraid. Oh, man, that was great. We got completely off track. That's why I love this topic. Yeah, I love, well, I've yeah. never heard fit before. I was like, man, man, that's that's some nuggets right there. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I had to learn that shit the hard way. <laughs> there wasn't a harder way to learn it. I think the only way it would have been harder is if I took boulders and made it gravel. As people, you know, you have a thousand people pulling on you, and uh, you're wondering what, and, the, and there's none of you left to yeah, pull on. There was absolutely nothing. Or, or what's another way? Uh, I think it was in The Hobbit. No, Lord of the Rings, like um, like a piece of bread with not enough butter oh, to yeah, like scrape yeah, yeah scrape yeah. that yeah. that's another good way that's a good to, visual there's just nothing left there's you know? nothing else to spray it yep it's done you're too thin it's over all right so you're working for axis miscommunication AXA. AXA. Yeah, yeah i had a misunderstanding yes because your poor <laughs> communication skills that you're continually but even on. had i not had a misunderstanding and i was making good money there i made the financial sacrifice and for those of you who don't know you don't make any money in ministry if you serve in ministry and you're not trying to pimp the ministry. You are serving because of your heart for people and your heart for Christ. So I went from there to making uh, no money. That seems, but you found a, but a good example to build your life back off of, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is really important. That I did. Yeah. That I did. Yeah. So what happened after that? Well, that's when, uh, so, so eventually that season came to an end. And uh, my entrepreneurial bug was turned completely back on. I'm, my entrepreneurial light was turned on, and I had the bug again, I should say. And uh, I was looking at what business I wanted to transition into. And quite honestly, I was looking for an interim business um, because I always knew that I wanted to take some time to plot out what my next big move was going to be. And real estate was the path of least resistance for me. So I transitioned back into what I knew. 
And uh, actually, that's when you and I got connected. Yeah, actually, I want to, before I say anything, I want to hear your side of that because I've, I've never heard your exact perspective. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I, it. And it's probably going to be embarrassing, but it's, I'm okay with that. I've moved through that I, part I of my it. life. but um, I love it. So I did some entrepreneurial training uh, at my church, and I met two people who had a pretty uh, great business model because I totally disconnected from uh, the entrepreneurial world and the real estate ecosystem at all. Right. So I was just not familiar with what was going on, what was new, what was hot. And I intentionally needed to do that because, uh, during that time that I went to work at Evangel. So I was at Evangel and I also was in school full time. Uh, so I thought that would be a great, like the best time that I could go back and finish my degree, which is what I did. But, um, after I did this entrepreneurial training, a couple of the people who were in the training at my church, uh, they needed some additional help and they asked me about some help with their business model. And I found out they were uh, selling homes to international investors. And it was just intriguing to me. It was really, really intriguing to me. So that is what I decided that I wanted to get into. So I followed the exact same process that I always recommend that you guys uh, follow if you're trying to be successful in a particular area. Now, I had had pretty extensive experience in real estate, but I had to you know, humble myself uh, because I needed to learn at the feet of the who the players were. So I found out who all of the big players were in the city of Detroit uh, with this turnkey business model is what is referred to. And and I, I connected with multiple groups. And obviously that included you, Jeremy Burgess. Yes. Yes, it did. <laughs> I, I like to hear you. You know what? I think it's more funny because I, I don't really feel like I'm a good storyteller. I need you to You're tell. You're an excellent storyteller. I man. want you to tell your story, your side of it. Okay, let's, we can both give our perspective. You give yours, then I'll give well, mine. Well, I think yours might be more accurate because my mental health, <laughs> it was, I, I was, it was just <laughs> starting to recover. So that's why I say if you're interested in, because sometimes your memory does play tricks with no, you. No, I agree. It really, and I wasn't. It, it in is the, for survival. Yeah. It plays tricks on you because yeah. if not, it would shatter you and you wouldn't be able to survive. So, uh, so when I was trying to get, and it was fantastic, when I was looking to get to, for those of you who don't know, uh, let, let me just tell you that Jeremy Burgess, I would say, is probably the father of the turnkey business model selling single family residential homes to international investors, right? So um, Jeremy Burgess was the last one on my list. I had a, a hit list, for lack of better terms, of, of who I wanted to get to. And, Couldn't find uh, any better, better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, I used the other people to warm up to you okay. because I had researched Jeremy. And let's just say that Jeremy has an interesting personality. He's just a little different say it ain't so. than, than what I was used to, used to dealing with, right? So I uh, I got to all the other players, and, and, and here's a, a rule that may be helpful for you, right? Uh, and this is just a, a framework that I've developed. Now, some people may do the exact opposite of this, but who you are connected with helps to open the doors with who you want to get to. So I wanted to, I waited intensely until last to get to Jeremy Burgess so that I could say, hey, Jeremy Burgess, here's what I've done, X, Y, Z. Here's who I've connected with. Um, and let me just say, Jeremy Burgess didn't want to give me the time of day. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious because he had no idea that one or two things was going to happen. He was either going to get a restraining order or we were going to meet. So it literally was like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how long I ignored you. This is the part I don't remember because time when, when you're in that, my mental health thing was, was yeah, just recovering. Yeah. Time was really slippery. Like I just lost months sometimes like what? 
two months yeah. gone. I, yeah, it's not a good thing. You know what? I wish I knew, but I it, it was a pretty significant amount of time yeah. for 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 me. Because I feel I'm bad normally, about it, really. Now, no, you way. shouldn't. It was I good. I feel terrible. What, they, it was they, unnecessary. You were doing it. Now you may not know. You you might not have been doing it for this reason, but you still needed to know was I fit. I didn't know I was doing it. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. But it worked out. And actually, I didn't know that you didn't know. I thought that I'm like, yeah, I like this. Actually, the more you ignored me. The I'm like this guy. Yeah, this is who I hey, want to get to. I'll take that. I'm getting all the credit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm saying this is great because this is the kind of guy who gets it. I do this now, but I didn't know at the time. <laughs> you taught me how to do it. You did. I was like, well, oh, you just wore me down. Like, fine, we're doing this. <laughs> uh, it was bad. And Jeremy, you know, because I was just starting, I've been working in ministry. I didn't come into it with, you know, buku money, right? So I came into it with a small lifeline. And I'm like, this is going to work. So, and interestingly, Jeremy wouldn't let me pay him. And I'm like, okay, this is right up my alley. So I thought. So, um, <laughs> now this is what's funny. This is where it gets funny. Jeremy wouldn't let me pay him. He wanted, it was more valuable for him, for me to come out and do some farming. Now, if any of you know me, you know that um, I don't do any farming. I don't have any, I'm asthmatic. I have allergy issues. I got too many health issues. So I'm outside digging trenches and, and building swales and, 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 and hookah culture. And ag- listen, I, I don't even know everything that I was doing, <laughs> and, but here's what's great. Oh my God. So, so here's, and I wish you can really, really get this. And I love, and I say it with such pride because I've done this on about four or five different occasions. You can serve your way into any circle. Uh, the model really works, right? When you are speaking, someone else's language and you are able to convince them of the value you bring to them as opposed to just asking what you want to get from them. So, um, you know, I do a training uh, where I used to do a whole lot of real estate training uh, at Wayne County Community College. And I would always make mention of, uh, and it was a great slide that you have to become a pooper scooper. Yep. Because a part of my service to Jeremy in exchange for learning is I would literally have to come over with all of his 100,000 dogs that he has in his house. <laughs> Not anymore, but and, yeah. At any given time, Jeremy had at least 15 dogs and they would all poop all over his yard. So I'm literally coming in and scooping pounds of poop up. You came after the winter too. And it was, you were working me through the winter. It was all bad. Bad timing on Ian's part. It was all bad. The spring cleanup <laughs> when you have any number of dogs is a terrible thing. So I would come home and uh, my eyes would be running. My nose is watery, sneezing, you know. So it, it, it was it was all bad and it was fantastic. It was fantastic. So thank you, Jeremy Burgess, for ignoring me. Yeah. And uh, I learned so much. Jeremy cut down my learning curve probably at least by a year. And it had to be cut down. Uh, now, I would not have stopped. Let's just say if I never would have met Jeremy, I wouldn't have quit, right? No, because I, I'd met some other yeah. people. But uh, based upon what I saw, based upon the research that I did, Jeremy is somebody that I knew that I needed to get to because he he had forgotten more things that I could learn in a year. From my perspective, it <laughs> was like, why is this guy annoying? Like, man, <laughs> look at me. I knew I was a wreck. I'm like, what am I good at? I don't want to take your money. <laughs> Just like, man, I'm gonna feel like, what do I know about coaching? Or you like, oh, take this guy's money, I'm gonna be responsible. Oh, that's fantastic. And I love it. So I was like, man, I really don't want the money. You did an excellent job. And man. you're like, oh, I mean, I'll help you this, I'll help you that. Um, I God, I ignored you so much. You took me out to lunch, and then I think I, I feel so bad. I think I still fucking ignored you. But then you started having my friends call me. And when Chris, you had to wrap it up, folks. You did. You did. This is a good way. So it, this is third party, by the way. If you look at this, is third party referral or testimonial. Um, the one I remember specifically was when Chris Mosier called me. He's like, "Hey, 
Uh, Ian Watts wanted me to give you a call. I'm like, what? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> I was a stalker. And he's like, I think it's really, you know, I think it's a really good guy. Uh, you know, I think he's doing, I think it'd be really good for you. Uh, so Chris Mosier, thank you. He was my second thank podcast. You Chris. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It. But uh, that fit. So that is fit. So I didn't know that was what it was then. You had a name for it and everything. Yeah. yeah and totally I thought works. it was in Gene. And, and the more you ignore me, I'm like, this guy gets it. Man, now I, I really got to get to no. it. Oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I get it now, though. I'll take it, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll take it. I get it now. That is the it. model I now currently use, <laughs> but I didn't know I was doing it at the time. It's so. great. Yeah. And speaking of which, you did a really good job. So you started. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, you started a buy, fix, uh, rent, and flip model yeah, and yeah. did pretty well at it. Let's talk about that a little bit. I, I did pretty well with the with the model. Uh, I've been blessed. I, I've been able to raise uh, millions in capital. So I knew that this was not a sustainable model. Uh, I was coming into the model when actually uh, I knew that it was on its way down. So I felt like Prices I had a, were coming up. Yeah. And- yeah. So I knew that I had a two or three year run and my goal was to get into it uh, to still run it like a good business. Um, but I knew I wasn't going to scale this thing. So the goal was to get in, uh, make a certain amount of money. And I, and I, and I hit that goal, thankfully. Um, so I, I, I got a business partner. I raised some money and I had many different investment groups fly in. I was just in China uh, in December of last year. Excuse me, because I was strongly considering um, continuing with the model a little bit longer. It's so interesting. You know, one of the biggest problems that I had is I couldn't spend people's money fast enough. Yeah. And there are a lot of people who took, you know, I had several investment groups come in out of New York and New Jersey said, listen, I have uh, $25 million or $50 million and uh, I need to spend it right away. And I want to invest it with you. I love the model. I love what, what you guys do. I mean, we had a really good system of being able to sell people. We did a, a couple million in revenue, uh, but the problem was I ran into a, a really significant challenge, and I wasn't legally obligated to do so. But when I was transitioning out of the business, one of the uh, one of the bigger and more well known property management companies that I referred so many of my clients to, uh, the bottom fell completely out. They shut down, and unfortunately, when they shut down, um, it, it left a lot of people in a really bad financial position. Yeah. Uh, to to say the least. And because I felt responsible because I referred my clients there, I was already beginning to transition out because I referred my clients there. I gave back uh, much uh, of, 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 well, really all of the profit that I made over the time that I was in it just to make them whole to the extent that I could. Yeah, that was a good thing for you to do. So, I did the best I could when I did that too, but yeah, that's hard. How, do, you, do you remember how many houses you did, plus or or plus or minus? It's okay if you don't, but or if you're close. All of the ones that it's I was pretty involved quick in, too. It was yeah, like a year yeah. and a half. I didn't burn up the charge that that heavily. I think probably, um, no, it, it was a little bit longer than that. Two years? Yeah, maybe even a little bit longer. But I, I get foggy on times. But all of the deals that I was involved in and got paid in some way. So I had deals where we. Well, we did them in different ways. So some deals, I was just a project manager. Some deals I, I bought myself, fixed and flipped. Some deals, I just did certain aspects of helping uh, some other partners that I had. So a combination of all of those, probably over a little bit over 100 in the time that I was in it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, that's a good point, too, because when you're starting a business, you kind of packaged and repackaged and yeah. packaged. Let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because sometimes when you start, you really were doing the same thing, but you were repackaging how you sold it, how you branded sure, it. Sure, yeah. And that's important, too, because sometimes you have a good idea, 
but your your sales pitch or your packaging is wrong. You just need to reorder sure, how you yeah, do it. And I think yeah. you did that in a real smart way, if you don't mind talking about that. Yeah, well, you know, in, in large part, that was thanks to you um, because when you, and this is, there's a concept called ACE, authority, celebrity, uh, expertise, right? And uh, who doesn't want to deal with a, uh, an authority or a celebrity? Always. You right. are an authority, a celebrity, you're an expert if you write books. So I wrote an ebook and I, I was looking to carve out my place in the turnkey model. I did not want to be the ultra cheap, buy it as cheaply as you can guy, right? I did not want to turn myself into a commodity. I wanted to sell less properties uh, and, and produce more margin. It's hard to do both. It's, it's hard to have high margin and high volume at the same time. Very difficult. Uh, it, it can be done, but it's extremely hard. So because I knew that I wasn't going to be in it that long, I wasn't trying to do uh, I wasn't trying to maximize the, the volume. I mean, obviously, I want to do as much as I could, but in a quality way. So I wrote an ebook, um, and basically, my ebook was predominantly a sales tool. Right, it did the selling for me, where people understood why they were buying the premium, which is what I sold, the premium yes. houses that I sold, and why what was the value to you, right, for doing that. So there are a number of different things I can share about that. But when you become an expert, when you become the go to person. Uh, which is what your book does in such a great way. And I bought that book to give it away. I'm sorry, I wrote the book to give it away. Uh, you become the expert. When you become the expert, people begin to come to you. So it's three different types of, uh, and this is sort of kind of more granular, but when you look at the types of marketing that you can do for people, you know, there, there are a couple of different types. You can do the push type of marketing where you are in the grocery store and it's forcing you to go down certain aisles where they're pushing certain things on you, right? And nobody likes that. I can't stand when I, I understand it. Right. I understand why milk is way back in the back corner of a store that, yeah. because it's a lost leader, lost yep. leader, meaning they lose money on that or at least break even because everyone needs it. That's what draws you into the store. But the longer you're in the store, the more likely you are to buy something. So that's the push method of forcing you or forcing things in front of you that you don't want. Then you have this like pursuit method. If you're also inside of a let's just say you're going shopping for some clothes and uh, the salespeople are on the up system. So every other person they're switching, who's going to tackle who? Well, the pursuit method is as soon as you pick up something, hey, can I help you? Can I help you? You say, no, I'm just looking. You turn the corner. Hey, can I help you? Let me tell you about this. That's a pursuit. But the method that is most uh, attractive when you're marketing and the method that allows you to not or to decommoditize yourself is the uh, uh, attraction-based method. And you attract people. It's a way of marketing to people where they don't feel like you're marketing to them, but they're also being attracted to what it is that you do. So that's what the ebook does. And um, what do you think this podcast is? Yeah. I tell people all the time, <laughs> it's not that hard, you know, I, and I'm not just one way of doing it, but it is an effective way of doing it. It's a really effective way of doing yeah. it. And if you want to stand out from the crowd, it, it is a must. And as a matter of fact, I got in trouble. You guys, let me tell on myself. Uh, so I just launched my coaching company, began testing in April of last year, and I put up a link to my blog too quickly. And Jeremy Burgess say, listen, dude, what's up with that? Why, why, yeah. why are you? <laughs> so, so, uh, it, w- w- I suppose we, we may talk a little bit more about that, but we're going to definitely get to it for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 But I'm jumping all over the place. So sorry. No, that's good. I, I, I like, so the still the best book, by the way, you wrote an excellent book on investing that. in Detroit and, um, for those listening, that's a good way to do it. Cause you have to know stuff. Ian knew a lot. He wrote an excellent book and anybody who's smart goes, geez, I don't want to go learn all that. Right. Yeah. And if they do, they were never going to be your customer anyway. Exactly. And if not, the book did the selling for you with, 
I think you said that if there's anything I could do to help you at the end, blah, 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 with your website and all that. Yep. And I think it was like 45 pages. It was a good book. Yeah, it was quite a few pages. It was good. It was quite you worked on it for a long time. Yeah. It was impressive. Yeah, and you critiqued it. I appreciate it. Yeah. It was a good book. I, I That was my favorite part of working with you on that. That's it, huh? Yeah. That's well, all we've been through? No, the favorite part. Not okay. the only part. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, part. all right. I'll take it. See, communi- that communication issue, man, I hear what I want to hear. Yeah. You're the only person who I've actually said, go write a book, who's actually written a book. That's one of those faithful pieces. I, That's one of those interesting and teachable me. pieces. Yeah. Uh, still to this day, you know, it, I wrote a shitty nine page book <laughs> that converted like you wouldn't believe. Ian wrote like a real, real book, like 45, 50 pages, maps, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 And of course, it does not surprise me. It works. So I was well. proud of it. I yeah. was really proud. You should of be. It. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm in the process of writing another book for my new, uh, it's interesting. Just today, I uh, I was in the shower, maybe a more bit more visual than what you guys want to consider. But so uh, as I was getting prepared to come, uh, the outline was developed for a new book because I'm going to be selling my services. And again, I'm not trying to jump ahead too far, but we're on the topic of books. I'll be Absolutely. writing another one. Yes, I'll be writing another one. And this one I'm actually going to publish. Uh, I'm not going to self-publish. It's not going to be an ebook book. I'm actually going to get it published. Well, you could use this podcast too. Once it's up, you can download it. You can edit it up. You can use it however you want, man. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. I appreciate it. I'll take you is, up on that. This is good. I, I, like I think it. if anybody hears this, I don't know what's more persuasive than the truth, right? It's, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So you did the right thing. You helped your clients out and got them out of a pickle, unfortunately, with this bad property manager. Yeah, to the extent that I could. And... You had a choice. You're like, Can I, I'm going to do more of this, or I knew you've always wanted to go another direction. Yeah, yeah. So we're coming up onto what you're currently working on, and how did you get into it? How did you make the decision? Sure. What influenced you? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I I absolutely love the smell of small business. And and the part that I love about small business, all of my businesses, anything that I do is it's always had a, a bent toward helping other people accomplish what they want to accomplish. Um, and that's a great business model, by the way. But that's a whole separate thing. I've always been doing consulting throughout all this time. Um, I started a, a, a company called Hooray MBA Business Consulting. It was a an MBA student based consulting firm where I hired. Uh, some of the top MBA students who had gone back to school to get their MBA so that they can advance when they were already at the the Baines and the McKinsey's of the world. Right. And it was a great model. I, I proved it out. It worked out really well. So I had some guys from Harvard. I had the Yales. I had the University of Michigan, some of the top guys. Uh, but the problem was it really, you know, in order to have those guys as my consultants where I critique them. So it was pretty cool having I'm critiquing these guys that are working at the big, <laughs> the the major companies. But uh, so it was a bit of an ego booster, but that wasn't my goal. The, the goal was uh, to test that model to see if it would work. And it actually did work. But my passion lied in a smaller business owner. I had to go to a more sophisticated business for that. And I just wasn't interested in it. So I put that down. Now, I've always been consulting and working with people along the way. So during the time that I transitioned out of the turnkey real estate business, it just seemed like a flood. Of every year, I have about eight or nine people from my church, and anybody you know who knows me, okay, Ian, here, what, what do I need to read this year? Okay, what steps do I need to take? What am I doing? And I'm doing this pro bono because I love it. Like if I, if time and money were the circumstance, I would still be sitting in a room talking about how to grow businesses, trying to empower entrepreneurs. I absolutely love it. Right? I'm always trying to build bridges between between abstract dreams, turning those into tangible goals, breaking those down into building a, a bridge between where people are now and where they want to go. I love it. 
So it got to be too much. So I had to come up with some sort of system or that word that we use earlier, framework, yep. to be able to continue helping them. And for whatever reason, ding, 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 Ian, how about this as your next business model to transition into? So it was, um, you know, it came as a result of me having a flood of people that I always work with and have been doing for years. Uh, and these are just friends, family members that I'm just, hey, okay, here's a book I want you to read. Here are the next steps. Because I'm a really practical step-by-step guy. Um and that's, that's really how SB Dream Coach was birthed. I wanted to come up with a systematic way to take the current and or aspiring entrepreneur and walk them through developing, developing the business of their dreams. So uh, I kicked it off uh, on April of 2015, and I did that with a free seminar. Uh, and that's a, a that's another way to build your authority, celebrity, your expertise. I'm still mad I missed that. Someday oh. I'll tell you the story behind yeah. that. Not a good one. It's all right. I'm very disappointed. It it is all right. It was a it was a phenomenal turnout. And I uh, I uh, the first business model how I was going to monetize. I know you think okay, well how are you? For some of you, not all, but some of you maybe think okay, so you offered a free seminar. How are you? How did you make money? You know, the model that I was using that I tested right then was selling from the back of the room, right? So there's a certain way that you structure your presentation where you add a tremendous amount of value. And at the end of it, you say, hey, if, you know, for those of you who need some additional help, here's what I'll do. And uh, I'll grab, I'll add significant value if you make a decision now, because even though people, people may need what you want, may have the money for what you want, we are just averse to sales, right? You have there's, to make them make up their mind. Yes or no. Them. You decide yeah, now's the time don't to be decide. hot don't be either be hot or cold but the in between is not so same with phone sales got to make it make a decision now that's it right that's it Let's make yeah. a decision yes so, no yeah so i tested that i tested the marketing for it um you know i do a lot of pay-per-click on facebook so you know of driving people because there's a whole science behind doing seminars and and first getting the people to click on the ad then getting them to register after they've clicked and then getting them to actually show up to the seminar that you're offering. So what is all, all, all of the things you're doing in between? So I tested all of that stuff, right? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily do it with perfection, but we're looking for progress, not perfection. So many people try to be perfect that they don't move as quickly as they need to. You need to inexpensively throw it out there so that you can learn. Uh, so I'll take speed over just about anything else, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, I tested that model and it's, uh, it, it, it is going, it is going, uh, it's going well. And uh, I'm excited about it. Okay. Well, because ultimately, let me say this. I'm sorry, yeah. I mean to cut you off. No, that's okay. Ultimately, venture capital is uh, what what I want to do. I want to ultimately advise and fund startups. That's it. Well, let's talk about it because yep. you're here. This is what you're currently working on. Mm-hmm. So, small business sb What what are now's the time? What are you selling? What are you doing for people? How are you helping people? And most importantly, if they want to. How they get in contact with you? Sure, sure. Um, so here's one of the things that I would say, and this this may be a little bit unconventional. Let me start with the end in mind. If you are interested in small business coaching, before we have a conversation, you need to know what brand of coaching you're getting into. So if you don't agree philosophically with what I may have to offer or how I can help you, if you don't resonate with that, there's no need for me to waste your time and vice versa. Uh, and I don't say that to be rude, but I would just strongly recommend I, I have a free training that's on my website. So if you go to sbdreamcoach.com and the header of every page of the site, download that free training. Uh, I think that's going to be the best way 
uh, for me to be able to assess and for you to be able to assess if we can work together. Now, it's a good point, right? Yeah. Because not everybody's a fit. It's not a bad thing or a good thing. Mm-hmm. Just not everybody fits yeah. with every person. Right? Let's, let's just find out up front. Yep. Um, let, let's just find out up front. And I will tell you this, uh, Jeremy, if uh, and I'm just jumping ahead again. And this is the last thing I'll say about this. If if those, there are those of you who want to take advantage of any services that you see, uh, if you make mention in the notes, if you want to send me an email uh, inside of the next uh, two days that you heard about me on uh, your podcast, on Jeremy Burgess's podcast, uh, everything that you see will be uh, 50% off. There so you go. I, I will do that for your your audience, Jeremy. Now, that's enough about that. Let's go back back to it. So I created a virtual training or virtual coaching system where no matter where you are in your business, I can systematically walk you through where you want to be. So let me tell you, I've broken the training down. It says a 36-week training. I typically always add in an additional 12 weeks. So let's just say it's a 48-week training. That's some serious training. Yes. It's a 48-week training. And I looked at what it takes. I deconstructed building a successful business inexpensively and doing it in a proper way in this context that that we're in. Not 15 years ago, not 10 years ago, right now today. So the very first thing that I recommend uh, for any business owners is to really get clear on what their why is, right? Because if you're trying to do something because it sounds cool, because you saw someone else do it, chances are, if you don't have a strong enough reason for doing it, it's just, it's an exercise of futility. So you got to get really clear on why you want to do what you want to do. But after we've done that, I've broken my training down into four modules. The first module is motivation and marketing. Now, all throughout the entire training, my goal is to keep you motivated because it is going to be difficult. It can be lonely. Uh, As an entrepreneur, you are different. You know, you're not successful enough to roll with the big dogs, but you're too different to fit in. That P word again, too, Patience, 48 weeks. It just takes time to learn. And this is not the best business model, by the way. Having a 48-week training, some people, you know, arguably I should, and here's what the business model guru should tell you, and I could probably make more money if I broke it down and said, I'm going to say you this 12-week training separately, and then this 12 weeks, and maybe if enough people can make the argument that they don't need everything that I'm offering, I may do that. But um, business does not happen uh, like so many people think. It doesn't happen wait, overnight. Wait, it's not 30 days or less and you're a millionaire? Yeah, no? it just... It just does not work out. Late like night that. TV lied to me, Ian. <laughs> no, no. So, so let me say this. And again, I told you I'm a scatterbrain, so I jump all over the place. Let me tell you about the four aspects of the training. So, the first thing I teach people how to do is become a marketer, and specifically a direct response marketer. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about what that is. But I love that the direct yeah. response is. If you're not doing it, I don't care what your business. Every is, small business owner, look you up. Need to be look doing up direct it. response marketing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, don't look it up. Download the training. Yes. How about that? So I teach you how to market first because the entire process of marketing is get a customer, keep a customer, sell more to customer. Direct response, unlike many other different types of marketing, one for example is branding. You know, uh, and you'll understand the difference between the two if you take a look at video. But you want to really learn how to market because if you learn how to become a direct response marketer, it does not matter which business you're in. Because here's the problem. The problem with the traditional business plan, let me just deconstruct this, uh, is I want to start a business. I write a business plan. Then I go get funding. I've never gotten funding from a business plan. No. It does not work like that. Not anymore. And it's, it does not. And maybe, I don't know, you think it did in the 60s, maybe? I don't know. But yeah. here's what I Might know. be some, some shit they made up a long time ago. It was it, never true. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And especially in a day and age where it's much less expensive for you to start a company, if you're in front of an investor, they want to know what have you done thus far? 
they want to know what have you done? So here's the deal. We start with marketing. That's like the first 12 weeks. Um, and then some foundational things we do for the first uh, four weeks. So we spend eight weeks on just helping you to become an expert marketer. And that's no important. What business- I don't want to interrupt you. That's imp- You know how many people I run into because they're afraid to ask? Or I didn't want to market. I didn't want to seem pushy. I don't want so- – People are afraid of sales and marketing for yeah, some reason, yeah. and I don't know why. If you are, um, if you're afraid of sales and marketing, I, I've got a simple solution. Don't don't be an entrepreneur, <laughs> <laughs> or get over it. Take the yeah, training. It, it just that about sums it up. But the reality is this: you're always selling and marketing something. You are, yeah. Even if you're not an entrepreneur, so you want to become an expert marketer because here's the problem: what if you have a great concept? But you don't know how to expose the world to it. You don't know where to find your tribe in your market. You will have this great concept in a business that could have done phenomenally well. And it won't go anywhere. Like so we people teach on you, Shark Tank who get up and they have a great idea and they can't sell it and they kick them out. And that's yeah. the end of that. You've got to become a good marketer. So I actually start there. The entire process of finding a customer, getting a customer, selling more to customer. That, that And it does not matter what business, does not matter what industry. As a matter of fact, what I've done is taking some of the most successful entrepreneurs and the best of what they've had and condensed it into bite-sized pieces where the average entrepreneur and even not so average entrepreneur can do extremely well with it. So we start with marketing. That's the first 12 weeks. The second 12 weeks is all about, and this came out of Silicon Valley, all about a concept called the minimum viable product. And basically, here's what I teach you how to do. How can I inexpensively and quickly launch whatever it is that I'm trying to launch now that I know how to market to find out if my idea is a good one. So basically the second 12 weeks teach you how teaches you how to launch and guarantee that you are uh, offering something that the market will love. And it helps you do that quickly and inexpensively. I needed that 10 years ago. Test <laughs> folks, test. Yes. You know how successful people become successful like Richard Branson you know, he didn't start with an airline. He did a lot of shit in between yes. and a lot of it failed, but he failed quickly. Yeah. And smartly. Yeah. He didn't lose that much. He yeah. Kept his lot of powder dry. That's that. So there's a great book and it's written by a gentleman by the name of Eric Reese. It's called The Lean Startup. So, so many of the core philosophies. And again, you'll find a great talk from him on eCorner, Stanford Technology Ventures Program. It's absolutely phenomenal. But the video, my training on the website will help you a lot uh, out a lot with that as well. So that's after we've shown you how to market. Now we've shown you how to inexpensively actually launch this as opposed to talking about it because entrepreneurs or, uh, or, or investors want to fund a proven concept. And it gives you greater confidence when you can go in and say, Here, here's what I've done. Here's what my numbers look like. And if I have this investment, it's going to help me do this because now it's a tested concept. See, what it helps you to do is to not just survey people, which survey has its value, but uh, it helps you to do an experiment. A lot of people will tell you what they will do. An experiment shows you what people actually do. Yeah. Take it out of your head and put it in the real world, right? Yeah. Where the metal meets so, the meat. Yeah. And then the and then the third uh, the third portion or the third gear, as I call it, the third module, uh, really focuses on systematizing now what we've learned. So, so follow the progression. We start with, let me help you learn how to market. Now we move on to, hey, I've actually created something that I can market. Now the third module is, after I found something that I can market and people have said, hey, this is good. Now let me systematize everything that I'm doing, right? And then I move on to fourth. And this is so backwards by traditional standards or um, by the cliche, you want to start a business, build a business plan, and then go get funding. The very last thing I teach people how to do 
is to build a business plan and a pitch. Because if you've gone through the first three phases, your plan by and large is pretty much already built and you have validated assumptions. And now I just want to teach you how to put that into a wonderful package, not a traditional package, a wonderful package that you can put into a PowerPoint with some financials, pitch investors, and then we also teach you how to pitch as well. So those are the four aspects of what I do. That's the, that's the SB success machine. That's the that's the traditional 48-week system. I also do some consulting, uh, some one-off consulting uh, where you may have special circumstances and we need to develop some special things. Also do some training, some speaking. And then if people just want, need it, hey, listen, I, I'm just wrestling with some ideas. I might not need to do this this full coaching, but can we just spend an hour together? That's something else that you'll find. So that's, you know, in a nutshell, uh, what SB Dream Coach is all about is really designed to help people accomplish their financial goals and dreams. Yeah, it sounds like an excellent program. And I will say too, folks, I know Ian personally, right? Um, he actually helped me get a car again. I don't know if you know what it's like. He knows what it's like to not have a car in a motor city, but uh, he actually said, you know what? Let me help you buy a car. And he just gave me money to go buy a car. So <laughs> if you're worried about whether or not you can trust this guy, don't worry at all. Go to sbdreamcoach.com. I appreciate that. Look at it. And at this point in time, I'm not making any money off of it. I'm probably going to do that in the future. <laughs> but for my first year, I'm doing things differently. But don't let that discourage you from going. And if you're interested, checking out, get the free training and see if it's a good fit or if it's even something you can do. Not everybody can do, but it right. might be a good fit for you. And I highly recommend you go check it out. I like the way you did it, too, because the traditional way loses a lot of money. You come up with an idea. You get the money. You go test it. If it doesn't work, <laughs> you, you owe a shit lot, ton of money yeah. and yeah. you failed. And that does seem like a stupid way to do That's the way I did yeah. it twice. Yeah. I had to do that way twice. Yeah. How but you stupid did is that? But you did it. I but shouldn't have, it. though. I should have I should have done it backwards, you know. That's it's like reading that book. What a challenge is, here's what happens. If you'd had a mentor, if you'd had somebody walking you yeah. through it, and that's that's this was birthed out of my desire and a passion to have a mentor, but not having one. Yeah. Right. Well, but I, I did end up paying for it. Well, that's a problem. That. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, a problem. It was a big problem. That could be problematic. <laughs> that, that, that can be problematic. Back to that death of heroes thing. Oh it, it just nasty. Guts on yeah, the ground. It was bad. It that's was tough. bad, yeah. Well, you survived to tell the tale. Uh, and I did. now you're helping others on And the I appreciate it. And I'm grittier for it. And um, I wouldn't, even if I could, I wouldn't do it again. I'm happy to have learned it. It was worth learning for sure. <laughs> One time. It, right. I had to do it <laughs> twice, but hey, I got it now. <laughs> well, at better, least you got it. Better late than never. It is embarrassing, but better embarrassed than, than not, right? It's all right. That's what makes us entrepreneurs. We keep at it. Yeah. No matter to. how we feel. Have to. Emotions make uh, good slaves, uh, but poor masters. For, that's great. <laughs> Emotions make, do that again. Good slaves, but poor masters. Oh. Can't do things based on how we feel. I've always, I, I tell my sister this all the time. I say, well, emotion, I find most of them aren't very useful. So I try to ignore them because <laughs> that the reality is anytime I've done anything emotionally, I regret that shit. Yeah. It's a, not always. Yeah. You know what? I, I think, you know, I just saw a quote and I thought it was so, uh, so great. It says, do, do everything with emotion, but not out of emotion. Yes. Or use it, like leverage yeah. it. Sometimes yeah. I get angry, great, yeah. better workout, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're human beings. I mean, it's it's a natural and healthy emotion. You just need to make sure that it stays on within the healthy boundary lines. Yeah, don't use it to make decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. That never worked out well for me. Well, the next part of this show is, I call it like success. This is like success habits, books, 
thing, you know, if you have some books that you really like or some blogs sure, um, sure. or, or habits too. Um, like if you do something the same way every day, like for instance, I find I do better if I just wake up and I torture myself with terrible workouts, I do way better through my day. It's like eat that frog thing kind of yeah, thing. Right. And yeah. I do my, I hop on my sales call right away. Just get them out. Don't even just boom. Yeah, it's you done. Have to do it. You know, you're, you're so interesting. I've, I've, um, there's a, there's a book and, oh man, I wish I would have written these down in preparation for, for today. So my apologies, but uh, it, there's a book that talks about what the most successful people do um, before anybody else even wakes up. And basically uh, one of the things in the book is that it, and it's, it's so simple, but we just don't apply it. The things that require the most amount of willpower need to be the things that we do first. Oh, I God, what book is that? It will come to me. Keep going. Sorry, is is there a woman who narrated it? There's a woman who who wrote it and narrated it the whole thing. I think I read it. I don't think I listened gotcha. to that one. But you are right because you do wear it out, right? You it wears it, it wears out. So by the time you have gotten to those non urgent but important items, for those of you who are fans of Stephen Covey and the Four Quadrants, right? If not, you can look that up. By the time you've gotten to the end of your day, it's really easy to just say, oh, "I'll do it tomorrow." Right. Yeah. But so the things that are most important and you guys have heard the 80, 20 rule, right? So 80% of your success is based upon 20% of your activities. Pareto's you want to right? do those most, inta- most important tasks or activities first. Right. So if you know your health is an issue, or even if it's not an issue, um, there are so many studies that show, Hey, when you exercise, in addition to the physical health benefits, mentally you're sharper, you have a burst of energy. So now it's going to give you a greater clarity of thought. It gives you, if you're tired at the end of the day, now this sounds, it's counterintuitive, you should exercise in the morning. Yes. <laughs> if you're tired at the end of the day, you need to exercise in the morning. So yes. go look that one up. So It does work. It does. Absolutely. It, especially if you actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> I find that most things work better when you actually do it. But. Yeah, to that to that point, you know, one, one tip that I could probably give, and then I'll, I'll talk about some of the books that I think that would be really, really good. Um, one tip that I would give is having strong accountability. Um, being an entrepreneur is going to be difficult, right? There, there are many days that you're probably going to want to hang your head up. I mean, you know, it's so interesting when you hear people on this side of it, you get the impression that they haven't gone through hell or continue to go through hell, right? Now we continue to put ourselves through this because we love it and we love the results. But I don't know, with few exceptions, I don't know how many people love to hurt themselves exercising, but they love what that that burning and that hurting produces. I hate it, but I like the results. You like yeah. the results of it. So if you want to get results, one of the things I would say, and this is actually something that I have implemented into my coaching, is I force you to have an accountability partner. This so is so you important. Need to get, this is so important. You need to get a strong accountability partner. You guys can put together some games or something. You know, hey, listen, if if I don't do what I need to do, I'm going to pay you ten dollars. You know, for every whatever it is that I'm supposed to do. Right. So you can come up with any different combination of those things. But I think accountability is extremely, extremely, extremely important. Um, There's one book. uh, Well, there are actually a few books that I would recommend. Uh, I mentioned earlier that it's hard to sustain the passion to do anything once you get over that that initial euphoria of, hey, I'm going to do something new that eventually wears off. And the only thing you're left with is commitment. And the only way you're going to keep that commitment is if you have a deep internal abiding why, you know, why am I doing this? What, what significance am I shooting for? So there's a great book that I love. It's a great book for you personally and a great book for your leadership It's called start with why. So that's one book that I would strongly, strongly recommend. I mentioned another book. If you guys are interested in learning 
about this whole MVP concept, you want to read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries. And I will tell you, this is not a book, but it's a system that I use uh, that is absolutely phenomenal. And if you actually want to go to my website, you can get it for, uh, uh, I don't know, it's at least $150 or $200 off. It's Magnetic Marketing. If, that's by Dan Kennedy. That's right? by Dan Kennedy. Yeah. yeah. If you the, want to the Godfather of direct marketing. Yeah. So those are just some books that I would say, you know, from a motivational standpoint, building an MVP, then from a marketing standpoint, you know, Dan Kennedy's magnetic marketing. Those are like, and those are staples actually for the training that I offer. So if you go to my website, you'll get those at a discount. You have to direct market. I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I do this podcast. I direct market. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say just do one, but if you had to just do one, I would direct market. Yes. Yes. Why not go out and get it? I mean, yes, just, it doesn't just spend the money and go out and get it. And that's some excellent training too. It's fantastic. And it actually, uh, well, you know what? I won't spoil it. Just check it out. You'll love yeah, it. Just check it out. Was there anything that, cause this is the part of the podcast where if I didn't cover anything or if I left something out or if there's something you wanted to talk about, this is where I open it up where if there's anything that uh, you'd like to talk about, now's the time, sir. You know what? I, um, and, and I'm sorry, I thought, I thought you were about to wrap this up, uh, but we can, we can talk about this a little bit, I, I think, and we've, we've already alluded to it, but there are two things that I think the two most important things that you have to do if you want to be successful is the first thing is you actually have to start. You have to stop getting ready to get ready to get ready. Oh, yeah. And when you start, you have to make up your mind that I am not going to quit. You know, I, I, there's a saying that I love, and you've heard this throughout history, that so many of the different uh, army generals, when they wanted to really get their point across to their men, and this is literally life and death, when the victory needed to be won and they're on an island and there's no retreat, the army generals would literally burn the boat up. So I would strongly recommend uh, that you burn your boat up. Don't give yourself an option to retreat. Um, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, be an entrepreneur. Understand that you're going to fail, but you're going to keep at it. You're going to keep at it. And you're going to keep at it. That's if there were some 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 final things that I would strongly recommend is the first thing you have to do is actually get started. Uh, to the extent that you can, you want to get mentors in the absence of mentorship. That's you want to get some coaching uh, and then you have to make up your mind. I am not going to quit. I think, you know, those qualities, because here's the reality, you can teach all of the skill in the world, right? You can give people the instruction that they need, but life is actually going to happen. And you you running your business, um, you running your business doesn't mean that you're not going to have life going on. It's going to go on anyway, right? So you have to make up your mind to do everything that you need to do because your business doesn't care if somebody got sick. Your business does not care if you're not feeling well. It does not care. And consequently, let me say this, and this this may take us back a little bit. My entire system of coaching hinges upon two things so that you can hopefully avoid uh, some of the challenges you run into if you do get sick. Uh, if, if life does begin to happen in an un- uncontrolled way where it significantly impacts you, I think a business should give you two things. It should give you freedom of time and freedom of income. So my entire system, even though I've gone through, you know, at length somewhat of what we cover, it hinges upon two things, marketing and systems. Marketing is where the money is. You are, you're in the business to find a need, meet a need or fulfill a desire. Marketing helps you do that, specifically direct response marketing and systems. 
systems is what will allow you to have the freedom and scalability that you're looking for. Um, so as you consider building your business and some people wear it as a badge of honor, that if I leave, my business will fall apart. Well, that's actually an indictment. That's bad. Yeah, That's a problem. That means you're now, self-employed. That's the difference. Right. And, and I think it's really important for people to understand the difference between that, which brings me to a point. Uh, and forgive me at this point, I just feel like I want to give so much. Uh, one of the books that absolutely transformed my thinking um, and helped me to transition my thinking from being a self-employed uh, person to that of an entrepreneur is uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki. Yep, that's it, definitely one of the ones that goes. Yep, absolutely phenomenal. It will transition how you think and how you perceive and what you're trying to build. Uh, if you're building a business, the the minimum thing that you should shoot for is to build something that will provide the income that you need, so it spits off the profit that you need after taxes that you need to live on or that will make you comfortable or whatever your goal is, it, it should be, and that's relative. You don't have to be a multimillionaire uh, or have a business that's generating tens of millions of dollars to be successful. Success is relative based upon what you want to achieve, but it should allow you to achieve your financial goals and it should allow you the freedom to not have to be there. If you've done that, in my mind, that's what a successful business does because th- then it allows you to do some of those other things that are, of greater or eternal significance to you. I would like to point out too, that when you have time, so something I need to do for 2016 is I need to carve out whale hunting time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you read any number of these books and it becomes obvious at some point that you really need to do two things, right? You you do need to hunt every day. Mm Mm-hmm. But you need you need whale hunting needs to be a part of your successful business strategy. And I promise you, you can't whale hunt if you don't have time. Yep. Because whale hunting takes time, sometimes years, depending on the business you're in. Yep. Some of these multi-billion dollar deals take years. Yep. To happen. I agree. And you can starve in the meantime. So this is why it's important. If you're thinking (laughs) about why it's like, why do I want to do this? What's wrong with being self-employed? Nothing unless you want to whale hunt. You know, and, and if you want to me, stick around, whale hunt. Let me add to it. Here's a problem, an additional challenge of being self-employed, and, and I'm all too familiar with it. If you stop, if you get sick, if you get hurt, guess what? Income stops. But the bills keep coming. But the bills keep on rolling. Yeah, and guess what? You're not a special desert flower and nobody yeah. cares, right? And let me say this. I will say this um, as a caveat. When you first start a business, especially when you're in testing and in initial phases, you are the company. Yes. So, yes, we expect that, right? Uh, we expect for you to start that way uh, because it gives you time to test it because you don't want to, again, you don't want to raise a bunch of money, bring people in only to have to upset your life and theirs because this model didn't work out the way that you planned. So you start it. Uh, maybe you have one or two people use, and I try to do this as much as possible, use independent contractors to the extent that you can do it legitimately so that you don't run into issues with the IRS and the government. You, you don't want them chasing after you. No. But yeah, you start, you are the business, you are the company. And that that continues even after you start hiring people because nobody has your drive and your vision. But eventually you have to build this thing out where systems begin to take over that other people oversee and it's not just you. Yeah, you got to make it profitable enough to afford to pay the person who's going to run it like That's you. That's helpful. Yep. You're running, running a business and being profitable, that does help. That might have something to do with uh, marketing, direct marketing it, systems, it, it, just right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit? Just a little bit. You mean it's not going to happen on accident? Yeah, you know, one of those wonderful things that I – let me tell you this. Listen, it's a great tagline. It's probably a great movie. 
if you build it, they will come. Absolutely not. They won't. No. Nobody. You, so I built a business. You're right. It was I'm a excited. great movie. Nobody cares. No. No one cares about you and your business. They care about what your business can do for them. So you have to learn how to explain in the way that it's going to resonate and cause them to respond <laughs> what your business can do for them. And that is the way Marcus work. Period. Period. No mm-hmm. amount of pretending otherwise or government intervention or anything else makes it so. Man, that's some good shit, Ian. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> this it's has been, been my pleasure. It's one of my favorite podcasts so far. You're just saying that to flatter me. No, I'm not. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, is there anything else? or I, You know what? I could go on and on. I could keep you here until tomorrow. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. Unless there are some more specific questions I that I can answer. I, I, feel uh, like, I do, uh, but I think I want to save it for me. I'll have you back on like we'll do part two and, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, let's right? do it. Let's do it. Oh, man, it'll be good. My All book right. will be written by then. I'll That's be able to right. Tell you, when yeah. you're done with your book, yeah. I should have you back on. Yeah. In fact, let's do that. Let me know when you're done with your book and you're ready. And let's do it. I'll have you back on because... I didn't even get to a third of the questions, but that's wow. the way it works. And wow. we're already at two hours and seven minutes, you wow. know, I definitely pushed the limit on these things. <laughs> I noticed that when yeah. I was uh, checking it out, I say, Jeremy doesn't mind going over two I hours. I don't, I don't. It, well, you know, that's also the secret of this podcast. Everybody thinks it's for them and really it's for me. right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it because it's great content. It is, you know, how, how can I, how can I get somebody's time? Well, let's put it out there. Let's, yeah. you know, that it, it works that way. I'm a right? fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. I want to thank my guest, Ian Watts, for his time today. Thank you for having me. And I'd like you to encourage him, I encourage you to go check out what he's got going. Um, go to SB, that's for small business, SB, Sierra Bravo, dreamcoach.com. Definitely check it out. Uh, send him an email at iwatts, I W A T T S, at sbdreamcoach.com. Highly recommend it. Um, Ian has helped me a lot. And if that's something you're interested in, go check it out. I think it'd be worth your time. And if you enjoy this podcast and you find it helpful, please share it with your friends. Give it a like, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're at. All that stuff really does help, and I appreciate it. And also, if you have any comments or suggestions, or maybe there's a guest or something or something I could do better or you'd like to see, let me know. Go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested and attending the local meetings, we got one coming up on Tuesday. Go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or Facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess, or you can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And as I wrap up this podcast every week, you know it's coming. I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. Nobody's going to do it for you, man. I know distractions, mistakes, bad starts in life. Hell, all that's true. Doesn't matter. Don't let it stop you. Pick something, create a goal, stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's just one step. And I want to thank you for listening. I really do appreciate your attention. I know you could be doing lots of other things right now. So thank you very much. I appreciate all the likes and shares and your and rating on iTunes. And until next week, crush it.